When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Eric Bischoff here, and have you heard about Strictly Business? Strictly Business is a brand new weekly series exclusively on adfreeshows.com. Join me and my co-host John Alba every Tuesday as we take a deep dive into the business of the professional wrestling business. And this is some straight up business talk here, no fanboy nonsense. We discuss television contracts, advertising, licensing, and of course, the highly debated ratings. So if you want an unfiltered, brutally honest, anti-fanboy understanding of the professional wrestling industry, well, Strictly Business is the series for you. And hey, if Elon Musk likes my tweets, and he did, you're going to love Strictly Business. Sign up now. And listen at adfreeshows.com. Do you love wrestling podcasts but hate all the ads? Well, you can get all the great podcasts early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. It only starts at nine bucks a month, but you get exclusive series at adfreeshows.com like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and tons more, and a chance to interact with your favorite podcast hosts every month. See for yourself why thousands of other wrestling fans say adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Adfreeshows.com. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to My World. With the Hall of Famer, your friend in my double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? Conrad, you know how we like to chat up? You want to get right into the topic because we have nothing to talk about going on in my world or your world, do we? I, I guess Starcast. we should. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Starcast go ahead. is here. I can't believe it. You're going to be there. We haven't announced you officially yet, but I think that's a spoiler. Starcast is in Nashville. You reckon that Jeff Jarrett's going to be there? Come on. Hey, wait. Have your people talked to my people? We're going to make that happen because we're going to find a way to get you on stage or signing some autographs or it's going to be pretty fun. Chairs. I picked up chairs. Well, not in the new building, but the old building. Uh, anyway, uh, we actually have a little, uh, a little foreshadowing in this episode. Me and Mick Foley took a visit to the old sports arena in this episode coming up, but we'll, 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 we'll let you drive the boat and get there. But man, Conrad Memorial day weekend is right around the corner. Starcast is right around the corner. Russell quest. It's a fun time. Yeah, I, I don't know how we're going to get all of our plugs in. I know we like to do them up front, but this weekend, AEW has got a huge pay-per-view. Of course, it's double or nothing. Uh, also too, there's, there's baseball stuff going on. Every time I hit refresh, uh, <laughs> we're, we're back in the, in the swing of things there literally, but more importantly, I think the big news right now, as you and I are recording, it's got the internet in your back pocket. 
you, Jeff Jarrett, <laughs> appeared <laughs> on Stone Cold's WWE Network show, The Broken Skull Sessions. I think that's airing in early June, and people are kind of blown away that you and him are sitting side by side. I thought you had heat with Stone Cold. What the heck? See, Conrad, you didn't do enough research, pal. You just didn't do enough research. Now, did you? No, it was fun. It was, uh, for those that may have pieced together the, the connections, uh, and those who didn't a couple of weeks ago, I was, um, had my week planned out very well. And I was going to fly up to Boston and be a part of, uh, PAX East and WrestleQuest game and doing a big public deal up there and kick the thing going, but, uh, had a little detour out to the broken skull sessions earlier in this week and had to rearrange my schedule. So I appreciate everybody's patience and the ad free family. That was why I had to miss. And, um, Conrad, when I tell you it was a, I don't know how long a conversation, who knows what it'll end up airing, but, but you know, when they rolled tape, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I'll just say that it's a lot of fun. Walk down memory lane. We talk. Well, Memphis. everybody wants to know, did you talk about the check? Tune in. Everybody wants to know, did you talk about busting a grape when you hit the ropes? <laughs> or busting an egg. Sorry. God almighty. Get your food groups. Correct. Pal. Get your, you know, it was fun, man. It was, um, man, he's got good recall. I know he has good researchers, but he's got some recall and some different things. And we talk bus rides and Dallas and WWF, which I don't like to say it's no matter if it's 30 years ago, it was the WWE and then as well, but no, it was, um, you know, a trip down memory lane. He was, uh, his show, his format is hey man, let's just roll tape and roll with it. So beautiful place, the broken skull sessions. It is something that I can sincerely say without question, Conrad, I never, ever thought, uh, that, uh, event would take place. Say you, it surprised you Conrad. When uh, I take, yeah. Go back and say, hey, Conrad, I can't uh, do the ad free thing. I got to bump a few calls here and there. I'm going to be on a plane. Here's what I'm most excited about that whole deal. You know, I was fussing at you pretty good in Dallas when you went to put your term life insurance jacket on. <laughs> and, and here I see a picture of you sitting next to Stone Cold looking real jacked, baby, looking real jacked. I was a fan of that. You were a fan of that, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Uh, well, a little inside baseball here, folks. Um, me and Conrad were talking, texting probably, I don't know, about StarCast or My World or something. And I think I left you with that last text as the car service is pulling up. Hey, Conrad, you'll be happy with what I'm wearing. So j just to let everyone know, Conrad Thompson absolutely hates, not as much as me being a legitimate, bona fide, flare endorsed four horsemen. But the second in line of that is don't shake your head at me. Conrad. Everybody knows that's a lie. No, it's not Conrad. Okay. Okay. Uh, Conrad Thompson hates when I wear a sport coat, not dislikes, not kind of has an issue with it. He despises when I wear a sports coat. I don't know why, but he just ain't a fan of it. So, well, because uh, here you are, you got these 24 inch pythons and you're not showing them off. You're trying to just look like everybody else. I mean, you're not looking like everybody else with that damn haircut. So why conform with the jacket? Like 
Let's accentuate oh. the positive, hide the negatives. All Easy right, let's uh, let's jump into it, man. We're gonna have a, a a fun time today because we're talking about sacrifice. Hold on, hold on. Okay, I got because it we're sort of back and forth that you drive the ship. Are you surprised, Conrad? And I'm being totally sincere because this is the one question that I wanted the My World listeners because you've got a whole host and you talk to. You know, your your entire podcast family, which is kind of cool, but I want to know something. Did you expect to get the response that we've all received and saw to the announcement of uh, the Flair finale? Did you expect that? Say, um, Did you expect a response. I mean, and I'm not talking about the negativity. That is what it is in this day and age that no matter what happens, there's going to be a little hate, little haters out there or a little country. And then just, that's just society. And I'm cool with that, but I'm talking about the, the, the 99% positive response that kind of, did you expect this, this type of outpouring? I knew it'd be big. I had no idea when I see the data that's coming in Conrad from yeah. that. I'm sure I, I am. I am surprised. It is on a whole nother level. Were you, are you surprised? Uh, I mean, I am yes and no. I knew it would be something that would get people's attention, but I did not, uh, anticipate the overwhelming response we got from mainstream. And as we're talking now, uh, this, this episode drops on Tuesday, uh, the 24th of May, this Friday at noon, May 27th. Uh, tickets go on sale at rickflareslastmatch.com. It's happening July 31st, Nashville, Tennessee at the Nashville Flair grounds. And, uh, we're going to have a, a really fun event here. You know, Starcast five is already on sale at starcast.com. It's a who's who man. We've got Mick Foley doing his stage show. We've got Bret Hart on stage talking with Kenny McIntosh about the 30th anniversary of SummerSlam 92. We've got the horseman reunion. I don't think this has ever happened where we had this group of guys on stage before this will be the last time too, uh, but it'll be Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanche. You're not on it, Jeff. (laughs) God, man, go ahead. Keep going. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, we got the roast of Ric Flair getting things kicked off. Uh, GCW is going to be running a show right next door as well. So, uh, and, and the word is there's some more big announcements that are going to be happening later this week. And, uh, stay tuned boys and girls, maybe some more big ones next week, but a lot of really fun stuff coming your way. Hope everybody will make plan make plans to join us end of July in Nashville. It's July 29th through the 31st. Uh, that's at starcast.com. If you get one bracelet, you get access to all 10 panels plus the roast. Uh, plus you get to come to collector's corner and meet a who's who of professional wrestlers and pick up pictures and autographs and merchandise and all that stuff. But more importantly than all that, man, Jim Crockett promotions, Ric Flair's last match, David Crockett, Tony Schiavone on the call with the old six Oh five set. Um, mm. this is, this is chicken soup for the soul. If you're an old school wrestling fan and it's, and it's Ric Flair's last match, it's going to be a fun time. So you said old school wrestling fan, I'm going to kind of, uh, challenge that Let, this past weekend. I just got in from Louisville, Kentucky. My daughter plays AAU travel basketball, and it's, uh, kind of kicked off the summer as travel tournaments go. It's called the classic up there at the Louisville expo center. Um, and there's probably, I don't know, three or 400 girls teams and a thousand college coaches. I may be having my numbers wrong, but you know, there's like 
40 courts this weekend. There'll be 80 courts in July, but it's a massive setup, Conrad. And I got there on Friday, and every day that I walk through in between games and I'm watching games and different things, college coaches and 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 dads and 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 parents and 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 the travel ball coaches, I don't know how many conversations I had. And do you know the two biggest topics? What's that? Which one I don't say a little surprising is and these are these are some folks that kind of know the industry is the amount of stadium shows WWE's having. Rumble, Mania, Vegas, Nashville. Of course, they wanted to talk Nashville. You know, just the they're they're going over the UK, all that. That was a sort of a topic discussion. But I'm telling you, there were young. I'm talking about in their 20s, college assistant coaches, and they're there with the notepads and watching a bunch of girls, all that. So they're not old school. They weren't alive when Jim Crockett promotions was in its heyday, but they have watched enough of it on Peacock or whatever. I'm telling you people, they knew not just Flair's last match, the date, this, that they knew kind of the whole people had fun with me about the four horsemen panel and all that, but it has resonated. That's what I'm saying as a promoter, uh, Oh, you know, third generation promoter. It, um, if you have your ear, listen, it's definitely struck a chord. So, uh, it's, it's just cool. So well, check it out. Rick flares, last match.com. Uh, it's going to be on sale this Friday based on the response we've gotten. Pretty sure it's going to sell out, uh, going to be lots more stuff that we've got, uh, up our sleeves that we're going to be announcing, but I can't wait for you guys to, to see more, but I will say this, any sort of uh, second guessing or negativity or everybody's going to feel a lot better. Stay tuned. Rick flares, last match.com. I also want to mention. I had a great chance to go visit with our old pal Swaggle, uh, up in Oshkosh, (laughs) Wisconsin, Eric and I did a show for him on Friday night. And then we attended his convention and wrestling matches on Saturday, such a great crew. He's got up there. So hospitable, go out of your way to, uh, to see his events. If you haven't already, people really, really dug it. Now, Uh, when you say our pal, you're talking about you and Conrad's pal. I don't like Swaggle. Oh, I didn't know that I'm Conrad, but I I speak for me twice, I guess. Um, I know what you meant. You meant Eric. Here's what I want to say though. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Swaggle. He took me to a great little bar, uh, up there, uh, called, uh, Slades. And it's like in, in an old part of Oshkosh. It's an old building. That's fantastic. Got a lot of character to it, but the back bar, Jeff was beautiful. All this stained glass and, and, and just, you could tell it was from the early 1900s. And sure enough, they said it was from 1919, just a fantastic bar. I mean, something to see. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. the guy recognized me from dark side of the ring, but he had never actually listened to our podcast here. So I told him, Hey man, do you listen to the podcast? And he said, Nope. So I showed him how to do it and, and, and put him in touch with, with the way to figure out how to listen to podcasts on his phone and all that jazz. But then he says, Hey man, your accent, where are you from? And I said, Huntsville, Alabama. And he goes, that's near Tennessee. Right. And I said, it is. And he says, and Jeff, this is an exact quote. Are you going to Ric Flair's last match on Sunday, July 31st in Nashville, Tennessee? You know, it's starting at six Oh five Eastern, just like it did way back when. And I was like, and I looked at swaggle and I was like, dude, we just made the announcement on Monday and on Thursday, this guy just quoted what it is, the time, date and place, the town. I mean, it's unbelievable when you think about it, Yep. because I, I think if I was to say, Hey man, when's WrestleMania, uh, next year, I think it's in California. I'm not sure. My first meeting of the day today had the same kind of deal. So Saw it. yeah. So, all right, brother Let's, sacrifice 2009. That would be may of 2009. So 
dive in pal dive in. Yeah. This is going to be something people talk about. Maybe a little less, uh, sacrifice. Oh nine, by the way, we are going to get to finish the NWO 2000. I just thought, you know what? Let's uh, let it breathe a little bit, take a break and we'll come back Uh, today though. Sacrifice 2009. Uh, this is, uh, at this point in the company's history, we're still before Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff become involved. What's your position at this point in the company? What all are you doing here? Sacrifice 09 this time, 2009, you know, diving into the research and looking back had a lot of, uh, I'll call it unique memories because from January of 2009 till about September of 2009 was the best consecutive run of ratings in the company's history. That was good. Our office staff was, I mean, we were running live events, our marketing, uh, our, our PR, uh, we, you know, we had been turning a profit since spike, but now, you know, we're in the two hour era. And the main event mafia had come along. Uh, I was uh, still wearing a lot of hats. Um, and at this time I'll say, you know, this may be a little controversial people are like, what the hell are you talking about? But I'll, I'll say not that Vince and Dutch didn't work together good, but at this point it wasn't kumbaya, but, but things were kind of grooving in a lot of ways. The, um, the ratings, we, uh, we never threw in the, the, the flag, but we definitely wanted ratings. They were our priority because that's where our money was coming from in, in the most part. And we wanted to get a bump in licensing rights. So collectively, uh, as a group, um, th- there was a, a pretty much a consensus. Keep the ratings going. Keep the, 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 the pay-per-view buys. Uh, they'll come if we get more people to watch the show. Um but, you know, that's all the positive, Conrad. The negative was when I looked at May of 09 in this research, because it probably started more. I don't even know if it started in at the end of 08, but early 09, as we were rolling, I'll just say this. The Carters, and if we're getting specifically, specifically Dixie, <clears throat> began to get in the weeds more and there were multiple conversations at our house at the, you know, in the creative between Vince and Dutch and Tanae and others. And I, I, I just would be very clear with Vince, Vince, the more the Carters get in the weeds, the more they're going to see stuff. Not that we will not hide from them, but anything is, it's just very hard to understand. I said, you're opening up a can of worms, pal. I'm, I'm just telling you. And so that's the downside uh, during this era. But, um, you know, what was my role as a talent creative? Um, a lot of international stuff was going on the tours. Uh, maybe we'd done three at this point uh, of U- uh, UK. We were looking for more. We were looking for some international, I mean, uh, Middle East. We had a couple of Middle East tour offers. Um, things were you can't say they were ever hitting on all cylinders, but they were rocking and rolling and the profit was good. And our expenses were super manageable. So we're coming off lockdown in Philadelphia where Mick Foley won his first TNA title in the six sides of steel over sting. Um, your team of AJ styles, Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe defeated team angle of Booker T 
Kevin Nash, Kurt Angle, and Scott Steiner in the Lethal Lockdown match. Team 3D won the tag titles in a Philly street fight over beer money. We've also got the relationship with New Japan in full bloom here, as Team 3D are also the IWGP tag champs, and the Motor City Machine Guns are their junior heavyweight tag champs. We also see the debut of Bobby Lashley. So a lot coming off of that show. How important was the relationship with new Japan at this time? Um, when you look back on it today, it was just as important as I review the notes today. It was a huge deal financially. It was very lucrative, but, uh, from a creative and a perception, um, you know, to, to, to sort of dive into it, the Mexican relationship, because there were ups and downs with AAA and with CMLLL, but still we had a, a relationship with both major promotions in Mexico. Sometimes one was better than the other, but obviously new Japan by far the biggest organization. Um, Kurt was their champion. 3d was their champion. Motor city machine guns was their champion. I mean, you know, we had a great working relationship and for, me and Dutch and, and others, it was really important. I'll say talent relations, Bob Ryder, Terry Taylor, whoever was in that slot. It was a, a great way to, you know, guys to have tours. It was really, really important on the flip side. Um, I, I, I never saw Dixie or Vince really give it any tip of the cap that it was important to them at all, which was Super disheartening. That's another episode to dive into. There's a, there's another thing that we'll get into in this episode that we, again, is really to really dive deep into it and get granular. If you will, will be a main event mafia episode. I know that's on the books for late, late in the year, which is going to be a lot of fun, but, um, new Japan relationship was huge, uh, in so many ways for me. So Foley's win is immediately questioned and you talk in an interview with the sun, uh, which is over in the UK about it. Uh, quote, Jared says they will eventually push younger stars to the top, but it will take time. Jared also says they'll continue pushing the younger stars like Samoa Joe and AJ styles until they become household names like sting quote. You can go back 20 years. And when sting was that generation's version of AJ styles, he was a phenomenal athlete with no name recognition and was very good in the ring. It just takes time. Nothing replaces time in this business. So you're putting the guys over as best you can here. But at this point, AJ has been with you seven years. Um, now I know you haven't been on TV, all of that, but do you still stand by that? That nothing replaces time in this business? Uh, it's certainly pre-social media. Uh, yes, I do. And that quote, I remember it specifically even back way back when, but I remember today, I'm not going to say it was taken completely out of context, but they didn't give kind of the overarching thing is, is that look, everybody's going to get their opportunity and it does take time. I'm going to say that the veterans don't have near as much time as AJ styles and others, but you've already hit on the big thing was that the guy actually said it for himself. He goes, now I know you've only been on spike TV X amount of time. And you, you know, here in the UK, it's your, uh, your, uh, exposure has fluctuated, but you know, the challenge, this is pre-challenge anyway. So our exposure globally, you know, the AJs of the world weren't, weren't quite what a sting and a Mick Foley and, and these others were. So, uh, I do, uh, you know, again, uh, I think social media has escalated everything by exponential, Yeah, but uh, it does take time. 
to, to get established. It's, it's just really that simple. I mean, I think in a lot of ways you can look at AEW today, nothing replaces time. It just doesn't. Taz's debut with the company was also teased at lockdown with Samoa Joe having his head covered with a towel. When Taz becomes available after his WWE contract expires, why was the push for him to come into TNA? Why was Taz the right guy? When we start diving into this, because obviously hindsight's 2020, we, we, we cannot not mention the Don West situation at the time. Um, so I'll let you guide this, but Taz is a hell of a talker and look what he's doing today in AEW. That was my understanding of what Dixie and Vince Russo and that's kind of the conduit the, of, of Taz coming on board. I love Taz. We always hit it off. We we have a very fun relationship. Uh, we bust each other's balls all the time, but in, in a good way. Uh, but, you know, I don't think Taz knew what he was walking into in a lot of ways. Uh, but, um, ta- again, Taz and Samoa Joe, for all the obvious reasons, what a good matchup. Not that Joe couldn't talk, but it, it, it really – Again, Taz had come off WWE machine and had his ECW run. And so he was a household name. So in the building process of Joe, it added to the package. So between Lashley and Taz coming in, you got a lot of top talent. I mean, I can't imagine this is all inexpensive. Is the company in good financial standing here to the best of your recollection? Yes. I mean, it, it, cause I would ask Dean as we would add different guys, um, n- not to get too hard, hard, hard uh, ahead of ourselves. We had to make some cuts on, on uh, other divisions, the ladies, the X division, maybe the tag uh, we've covered that some of the naturals and this and that, but no Taz Lashley, the addition, but again, we were profitable, uh, some quarters, very profitable. So much so that Bob was getting his investment back and we were still making money. So coming out of, uh, oh, l- let me ask this too, though. You also turned Don West heel. Uh, I, I, I mean, what's the thinking there? I can't imagine Don West as a heel. Don't get me started. <laughs> I hated it. I despised it. It made me. Candidly, Conrad, freaking furious in that everything, actually, let me back up. A lot of things were going right, and the ratings were good. And Dixie wants to say, but Don West doesn't make sense. We need a heel color commentator. No, we don't. Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross, Gorilla Monsoon, and Bobby Heenan, Jesse and Vince, we could go on down this. Those are some magical pairings. Yeah. Mike Tanay, the professor and Don West in a lot of way, the fans man. Cause that's what he was when he first started. He, he still is to this day, an infectious voice that can show great energy and enthusiasm. That's what it brought to the table for whatever reason, whether Russo pitched it to uh, Dixie or Dixie pitched it to Russo to this day, I don't really know, but they got on this kick and 
you know, Dutch pulled me aside and he said, I really want to know what you think. I said, I think it's insanity. I hate every bit of it. I think it's wrong on every level. And they are completely missing the point that yes, the TV product is the most important deal, but all of a sudden Don's going to be going to these live events and he's a heel on TV and he's trying to sell merch. How do you do it? Conrad, you talk about ego and stupidity and look, my ego, my own personal ego has caused me a lot of trouble in my career. It is what it is. Everybody's got an ego. Give me an example of that. He said, I don't do a timeout. It's caused you problems. Can you tell us, like, give us an example. My way or the highway. I don't know how many times in, in business that I can rationalize, justify, minimize my decision is right because it said so. That's just not the way to go. Yeah. So you want an example. Hmm. Catching me off guard. Um, I mean, did you learn that before you were in management at TNA or from managing TNA as long as you did? I'm wondering when did you have this epiphany that, wow, I've been, I need to change my approach. Like, did that happen? Like you were that way when you ran a household or you were that way when you ran an independent, all the, all the above through the years, the more and more opportunities that I've had. And I'll just say this in sobriety that I can really look at it clearly at it is, man, if you just take your ego out of the situation, everything gets a little easier. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish I had a better example for you, Conrad, and I may, a light bulb may come off during this episode, but the Don West situation to get in the weeds, Don was super successful. Do you know who Don's direct report was? No. You know, Dixie's husband search. Okay. He was the rock star of the merchandise and the online sales department. And it, it call it, it, it's just, it's this simple. It caused issues. And the, the result was very obvious because why fix something that wasn't broke. Don had, and, and, and I've always said this announcers don't draw ratings ever, but if they don't tell you the story, they can damn sure hurt talent from drawing ratings. Uh, and I say that with all due respect, you, 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 you gotta have people telling the right stories and the right timing and when to lay out when not. So they can make a good show. Great but they can also make an average show terrible. So, so it's, 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 it is a real juggling act. A good announcer is invaluable. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, Don turning heel wasn't going to affect the number one way or another, but it was damn sure the ratings number, it was damn sure going to affect, uh, live event merch sales. You just, what are we supposed to do? Act like, Oh, he's playing a character on TV. It was such nonsense. Conrad. As you can tell, I'm still irritated to this day why we went down that road. And Don took the ball and ran with it. Right. He did a hell of a job with it. So coming out of lockdown, the main story is the battle for control of the company and the top spots with the main event mafia, of course, being led by Kurt Angle, Mick Foley, the new champion, you, the owner, and Sting, the champion who just lost the title. The focus is on you and Mick. Were you excited to work with Mick at this point in his career? So, yes, I was in so many ways. You know, me and Mick go back to the Texas days or actually the USWA days. But getting the opportunity to work with Mick, obviously, personally, but on a professional level, it was at this point, people knew that I was, you know, not just the founder, but creative and 
and, and just the, the, my role in the company, but here comes Mick and we got the opportunity to let me storyline and, and, and I thought it was logical and we had a lot of fun with it. Look, you can poke holes, everything's subjective, but we, we had the story that me and Mick are supposed to be the, the, the wise talent that never saw eye to eye on anything, but you got the main event mafia on one side and the young guns, just what the son reported about. That's making our story, right? AJ, Joe, and Eric young and a bunch of young guys. So me and Mick in reality and on camera, we were supposed to be doing this balancing act, trying to push the company forward. But then the end of the day, and Mick is so damn good at these type vignettes and stories of this. We kept getting each, in each other's way, which pitted us and gets each other. And the ratings did very well. You could look at quarters on, on during this ep, during this time. And me and Mick's quarter would, would be, and I'll give it to Mick. He's so damn good at, at, at carrying out a story and make it his own. Is there anything he can't do well? I mean, like he, I thought he did a phenomenal job writing wrestling books. I've seen oh. him do a phenomenal job doing one man shows on stage at, at comedy clubs. I've seen him work as a heel. I've seen him work as a baby face. Uh, I've seen him work as a enhancement talent as a top guy. Uh, I've seen him have incredible street fights and stories. And I've also seen the comedy. I mean, whether you're looking for good guy, bad guy, I just think whatever it is, Foley's found a way to do it probably as good as anybody else. Conrad, did you see the Annie biography? I did. Okay. To me, look at that set point. Long Island. Yeah. Parents engaged in school, um, athletic teams. Uh, so in a lot of ways, it's the average American upbringing. And then the other ways Mick has a gift, uh, to me, uh, God gave him a gift of an incredible brain Yeah, that was not afraid. Matter of fact, he kind of relished the role of I'm going to go against the grain on what my parents think I should do, what the audience think I should do you know, and make it his own. Yeah. Even down to raising funds for the greatest causes in the world. Yes. Go, wow. Now Mick really is coming at this at a different angle. So yeah. Uh, and to dial back to this era when he would take what was written out of creative events and Dutch and the whole team, and then me and him would sit down and I just sort of mix, see Mick sit back in a chair like I've got now at Orlando. Cause at this time we had two or three sound stages and sets and everything. And Mick would start rocking kind of back and forth, not like a best, but he'd sit there Conrad and he'd be thinking and he'd say, you know, Jeff, I've been thinking about this and in my mind. Okay. Let's get under the learning tree. Here we go. <laughs> You know, I mean, cause when you, you think about the, 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 this is your life rock, you know, the in rings yes. at raw during the attitude era, you, you, that doesn't come from a piece of paper. No rock and Mick made that stuff their own. Yes. It is. Uh, no disrespect to any writer, Ed or Ferrar or Vince or anybody put it together, but no, Mick has that unique ability to, okay. Th- this, when, when we went out to the fairgrounds in, in this episode, he made that. He's just, he's just damn good. I'll just say that damn good. Let me recommend, uh, that, that you go out of your way 
to check out Mick at Starcast. He's going to be doing his one-man show. You'll get to meet him, greet him, take pictures, do autographs, the whole thing. But his show is going to be one you want to go ahead and plan to see. And I'll tell you what, man, I'm glad that weekend that I'm going to be in Nashville with a chilly sleep. I love it so much. I travel with it. And real talk, folks, before we clicked record today, uh, Jeff goes, Connie, you've been at it all morning, huh? What am I, number three today? Oof. Oh, Connie, before I forget, did I tell you that I hadn't been using my chili sleep as often as I did, but now that it's hot, golly, you ain't kidding. Am I, am I pretty close? Is that about what you said? It, well, yes. Cause just when, when mama Karen changes the sheets and from time to time and everybody gets in a rush and you put the fresh sheets back on the bed, don't hook up the chili sleep and just time rolls. But as it's getting hot outside, I cranked her back up. Wow. What a, it's just, it's awesome. I've had it cranked back up maybe three weeks now. Uh, people, you know what you ever sleep in hotel rooms and have that nice little chill yes. that you like, and it's real dark yes. you hotel rooms, all that, but you get in that deep sleep. Look, you can do that with chili sleep. I mean, the coolness is mm. it's perfect. I'm telling you, you just, everybody sleeps better when they're cooler. And we've known that which is why we have ceiling fans or we kick a leg out from underneath the covers or we crank down the AC or we keep flipping that pillow looking for the cool side. Well, here's the deal, man. You don't have to do any of that anymore. Temperature controlled sleep is going to repair your muscles after a hard day's work. It's going to improve your cognitive function to strengthen your athletic readiness. And that's why this Memorial day chili sleep is working with veteran organizations to support our heroes sleep and recovery too. chili sleep and both both, uh, Jeff and I, Tony and I, Bruce and I, Eric and I, we've all got it. We all love it because it's a customizable climate controlled sleep solution that really does help you improve your entire well-being. These water-based temperature controlled mattress toppers fit over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. It's like a smart thermostat for your bed. Their cooling technology leverages water's amazing thermal powers for deep restorative sleep. They're designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. And recently, Chili Sleep partnered with the Independence Fund for Memorial Day to donate sleep systems and show gratitude to our veterans. Plus, U.S. military and veterans can get special savings through checkout at the uh, Memorial Weekend event. So check it out right now. Head on over to chilisleep.com forward slash myworld to learn more and save 30% off the purchase of any new Cube or Uller sleep system. This offer is available, especially for my world with Jeff Jarrett listeners and only for a limited time. That's chili C H I L I sleep.com slash my world to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. It's the real deal. Folks, check it out. Chili sleep.com forward slash my world. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And Jeff, let's get back into it here. Um, so much to talk about on this show, but I do want to talk about some contracts. It's reported in the torch that while X division wrestler Sanjay Dutt and Petey Williams were unable to reach new deals, Jay lethal was re-signed to a contract. And I know you're running a business and this isn't something that we talk about a lot on the air, 
but you're in a unique position. You can wear multiple caps. You can talk to us as the in-ring performer. You can talk to us as the promoter. You got to run a business. You got to make tough decisions. Why does a guy like Jay lethal get re-upped and Sanjay and PD do not. So there was a time in creative, man, this is getting inside baseball granular, but I want to say, let me count them real quick. Dutch Vince, Mike Tanay, Jeremy Borash, Bill Banks. I'm just trying to think. I always like to have an odd number in the room because if you had to take a vote and pull me out of it, because I don't want to be a part of the vote. So either five or seven in the room, uh, at times Abyss was in the room, probably not in this conversation because he was a, a talent. But, um, you know, the old Jack Welch analogy running corporate. Yep. Bottom 10% have to go every year. That's kind of amazing to me that that's how he ran his company. At the end of 12 months, the bottom temper, what what was, I don't know. I'm, yeah. It, it, he cuts the bottom every year. And this is how he built the biggest company in the history of the world. GE. Yeah. And, and that was the, I mean, he, he was big on innovation, but what he was really big on is copying other people's idea. Like let's take a proven concept that we know works, apply everyone else's best practices. And yeah. if we've got their best and their best and their best together, we're, we're going to be successful. And part of that mission was every year you thin the herd. Uh, if these are your worst producers, get rid of them and bring in new people. And Conrad, that's why I love you. I just literally had to say, but that when I read his book as a leader or, or a manager, or even an employee employer, there were so many light bulbs that you go, that's really just taking all emotion and ego and, and just really looking at it as, and I know Vince has run his organization like that to this day, so many times taking all the emotion out of it. What's best for the company. You're going to hurt some feelings, but the, the company has to keep going in the most profitable manner. And sometimes that isn't fun. That's what we would do from time to time. Dean Broadhead, the CFO. But, would but help me understand. I'm not trying to yeah, cut yeah. you off, but how, no, no. how, how do Petey and Sanjay become. That's where I, so, okay. uh, I was getting there, pal. Okay. Sorry. Man, you're just. You're antsy today, Conrad. Let's throw down. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Broken Skull Sessions. You didn't do Oh, I'm kidding. I can't wait for that to air, Conrad. You going to watch it? Of course. The day it comes out. <laughs> I watch all of his stuff. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's why I was saying. If there is a odd number, three, five, or seven, I would pull out of it. Dean would say, hey, guys, uh, coming up this quarter, this is kind of the numbers that I've worked on. This is what I've talked with Dallas. Maybe this is what I've talked with Dixie or maybe me, Dixie and Dean would get in a room and go, okay, we, we're going to have to allocate this and advertise and all this. It was a numbers game. And so we kind of looked at the amount of bodies in the four divisions. And that's not just a marketing and promotion is, is that when you're booking a show, a lot of times you, you got to kind of make sure that you can play chess with the equal, you know, so you got heavyweights, tags, X division and, and, and females. And so, okay, we're going to have to kind of cut some tags and cut here and cut there. And who can we cut on their contract renewals? It's not letting anybody go. It's just really not renewing. And I don't remember specifically, but I know there was a lot of times in the room that we'd say, okay, we got to let go of, let's just say, two X division guys. And when you put a list of 10 up there and dollars and, uh, uh, you know, whatever it may be, 
right, who's been there, who's been in a lot of storylines that it's we, we may not be able to come up with something so creative that we've kind of done four or five things, time to move on, or there's a lot of upside to this downside. When you look at, uh, so who was let go, Sanjay and Petey? Yep. And a lot of people go, well, are you kidding me? Canadian Destroyer and Sanjay Dutt had that great storyline with Val and Jay Lethal, and they're both player from, you know, player from Himalaya, fantastic performers. But they had probably been with us three or four or five years. And and I I don't I don't remember the specifics, but it went to a vote. I said, guys, vote, because at the end of the day, I like all of them. I've signed all of them, but also understand that Bob Carter wants guys moved in and out. Okay, where do you have? And so that's the vote came down. Okay, that's it. It's uh it's a conversation we can have with you and really nobody else. Uh, the obs- <laughs> well, because there's not a lot of people who can have, I got you. I mean, uh, Tony Schiavone's never had to fire anybody. I got you. It you know? sucks. And, and, it- and when, when, when Jim Ross did it, it was usually dictated to him. You yes. know what I mean? Somebody else said, Hey, cut this guy, cut that guy. And you're the guy who sat back and said, you know what? Fuck Sanjay. I don't like Sanjay. <laughs> I mean, who'd he ever beat? By the way, Sanjay is a listener. Shout out to Sanjay, who very quickly has gone from, I mean, you want to, Sanjay might be like a modern day Conan, you know, all of a sudden Conan was like universally loved and everywhere and doing business with everybody. And I guess that's how Sanjay is different, but is there anywhere Sanjay can't just strut ass into? It feels like he's beloved at impact WWE, AEW. That's gotta be, that's gotta be uh, a testament to the man. Does it not? We just talked about Mick Foley and kind of his upbringing. I don't know how many times I've said this to you as well, Conrad, buddy, look at in kind of uh, Sanjay's father passed away. Uh, not, not too long ago. Uh, but you know, so God rest his soul, but raised in a good nurturing, you just have a level head. I can't, you know, I have, uh, apologized to Conrad. I mean, to Sanjay a couple of years ago, there's no telling what I put him through, but he was my right-hand man. I love the guy and above personality above us getting along. He is a smart, smart dude. Yeah. In the day he, he thinks things through sits back. Uh, he is, uh, a learner and a listener, but buddy, he is not a Yes, man. And that's probably the biggest thing I like about Sanjay in a working relationship. You're going to get what he believes in a very diplomatic. And if you don't agree with him, you move on. He'll say, okay, let's go. That's very valuable. Jeff Jarrett did an interview with the sun this past week. Nothing of major note. This is from the observer. Just saying when it comes to Bobby Lashley, they think MMA will help them and they'll help MMA with him. Uh, Lashley's idea is that being on TV weekly will give him a fan fan base that will expand his MMA marketability. Something I agree with, although indie level MMA has the same limits as indie level pro wrestling, everything will be great for both sides. As far as business goes, as long as he keeps winning fights. So let's talk about that because Meltzer always put that caveat. The last time I said something about this, you kind of chuckled. You don't think it would have hurt Bobby Lashley or what TNA was trying to do with him if he lost an MMA fight? I don't. Okay. I, I, I don't. And and Bobby, 
when you look at him walking down the aisle, you just go, okay. And as uh, the chairman always said, it's a very visual business, uh, you know, in the box, the facials and just the, the presence. Bobby's always had it. And uh, I thought it was a, pretty cool little thing that are a very cool thing that he's willing to do both. All right, let's go. It's a different way to market a talent. So your impact after lockdown gets a 1.23 rating. That means there's 1.8 million people watching the show. Uh, the show features you opening the, uh, the program, introducing Mick Foley as the new champion. I'd say it's your job as the founder of TNA to hand him the world title. But the TNA management has decided that Mick's turtle t- first title defense will be at sacrifice in a four way. And each man will have to sacrifice something to be a part of it. And the storyline is that you and Foley are kind of the only two executives in the company. And maybe it feels a little messy. Uh, now the team 3d are holding both the new Japan and TNA tag titles. They're going to set up a 3d invitational tournament with a hundred grand to the winners. Team 3D at this point are one of the best tag teams in the business, and they've been at it for like uh, over to well over 10 years. What was it about these guys that just kept them in that spot for so long? Because they did phenomenal in ECW, had a great run in the WWF, and now they're just crushing it here with you guys. But I feel like when people talk about great tag teams over the years, a lot of people just skip over what the Dudleys and Team 3D did. I don't, <laughs> and I never did. Uh, there's no middle ground in Bubba specifically. You either love him or you hate him. I see. I, and, and I, I, the, the old, I know I always go back to this resonating emotionally is right up their alley. Um, it goes without saying they're not bookends. One guy's a white guy. One guy's a black guy. Uh, Bubba, the brash New Yorker that, I mean, a hell of a talker. In, in, and I don't want to call it old school because that's not, yes, he took bits and pieces, but a, a really good to great talker. Um, and he, they also knew how to get over that. They come from the school of, you know, whether you call it Paul Heyman or, or I don't want to say Southern wrestling or the WWE school. Anyway, Bubba and uh, Devon knew how to get over but they also knew how to tell a story and get their opponents over in a match. So when they beat them and Bubba beat, they beat them all. When they beat them, they beat somebody simple psychology, but yet a lot of times a lost art. But, uh, I remember negotiating with them at uh, TGI Fridays in Orlando when we first brought them on board, I'd had a late night and they were there, uh, and came over. And I just remember going, man, this is a really, really, really good get. For the roster. Um, the, uh, long storyline for this show is, uh, you and Foley going back to his hometown of long Island after the win and acting like he's a man of the people, but you've called him a lunatic and a referee walks up to you and tells you that, uh, Jocelyn called and there's a problem at home having to do with school. Were you comfortable with this? The idea that we're going to use our kids on TV or at least their names and storylines or whatever. Yeah, because I knew we weren't going to go the, 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 I guess you could say the character development that was going on in 2009 was Mick is this outlandish. Everybody knows what Mick Foley, hell, he got through off the cage at taker and you know, the hardcore legend and the, 
with a sock, everything that goes into Mick. And I, and, and Jeff at this time was, uh, you know, I'd been the heel king of the mountain for many years, but I was the family man, the businessman, the former world champion trying to keep everything together. So they wanted to reference the kids' names to humanize me, if you will. And you were cool with that. And everybody else was too. Oh yeah. 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 So, uh, Kevin Nash, uh, has Jenna in his corner and is going to take on AJ styles in his first singles match in months, which ends with Booker T interfering for the DQ. Jenna here is from survivor. And, uh, I didn't think you were going to skip over her. Well, this is my first chance to ask you about her since we started this podcast, but the torch says she was hired because Dixie was a fan of her on survivor. Um, what now? (laughs) Tell me, tell me how this came to be. Oh man. Jenna, I'm going to. That you're uh, pronouncing her last name, Marasco. Yeah, Marasco, I think. Marasco, yeah. Um, you read the research, or you're just riffing off of it, but yes. That, I mean, that, was that I, the, she likes? Yes, huge Survivor fan, and that's cool. D- I mean, Dixie is a big Survivor fan. Massive, massive, and obviously the massive ratings, but yes. And, but I don't know how the connection actually came to be. Yeah. That's but, what I was wondering. Like, how, how do we know this person? I don't know. I, I don't know the actual, but you know, Dixie's, uh, by trade, uh, a PR agent and a damn good one, but you know, so a connection of a connection came about somehow. Uh, you're in the main event against Scott Steiner, and this is from the observer. Uh, Jarrett had a hamstring injury as noted last week, suffered in the lethal lockdown lockdown match, but it did not have a torn hamstring. It was played up on TV. Foley was hilarious because he was playing heel and claiming Jarrett didn't really have the injury. Jarrett worked the match as if he wasn't injured, didn't limp or sell the hamstring at all. And Foley was joking about how he wasn't even smart enough to sell his fake injury. Jarrett was getting massage treatments backstage for a long time before going out for this match with Scott Steiner. Well, where's the psychology with this go of you really are hurt, but no, I don't think you're hurt. And I mean, it's kind of fun, but it is a different approach. Well, no. So this is where to go back in time. So what was this Conrad? So, oh, nine. so we're 13 years later, but, uh, the hamstring situation. Have I not said that? Have I not told you this story? No. Okay. We're in may, right? Yep. This, this story's in may, but we're probably toward the end of April. Um, so Easter Sunday in real life, Oh nine, uh, here in the South, Conrad, you can probably relate to this here in the South on Easter Sunday, we go to church, right? Yep. And after church, come home and have us a meal. Like they fix us down at G's lots of food, right? Yep. On Easter Sunday. And then some folks just kind of go their separate ways. And some people have Easter egg hunts and that kind of st- stuff. And what do old double J do on this Easter Sunday? I'm going to take me a little nap on the couch. Okay. Take a little nap. Well, when you've got kids and cousins and lots of folks in from out of town, what do you want to do on a Sunday, Easter Sunday afternoon? Hey guys, dad, wake up on the couch. Let's go play kickball right on. Let's all pile in the car. We're going to run up to the park, play kickball. Conrad. We divide up teams. I, I, it was my team was, I don't know, up first. It doesn't matter first, but it was the be- very beginning of the game. I'd been awake maybe 
20, 30 minutes, the old ball comes rolling in. What's dad going to do? He's going to blast it out there and uh, get some runs in. And I do and take it off running and pow, out goes the hamstring. Conrad, one of the most painful injuries I've had in uh, the concussion was bad. My low back was bad, but a hamstring that rolled up in my rear end didn't feel so good. So I knew right then I did it and I went, Literally, I went home right then and started rehabbing it and all this, but it took me about a month to, to, to get over it. I limped for a bit, but anyway, that's the hamstring. And so it's funny how Dave kind of latched onto it, but it wasn't supposed to be any part of the storyline, but I was limping during the day and Mick goes, how are we going to cover that anyway? So we didn't want that to be a part of the story, but Dave latched onto it and kind of brought it in and rightly so because Mick was trying to cover for me saying, look, he's not even limping. I was probably half-ass limping, but Mick made it his own. Does that make sense? Yes. Total sense. Uh, yeah. So you get the win after hitting Scott with a guitar, but it's a schmoz afterwards angles going to come out and, uh, there's chair shots. And then Bobby Lashley walks out again and it's teased that he's going to make a decision. Is he part of the main event mafia or not? Uh, here's another note from the observer. The switch of Christopher Daniels to just Daniels was a marketing decision. He owns Christopher Daniels and I could see them not wanting to market, uh, a name of the person that he owns, meaning the name, you know, they, TNA wants to own it. Like WWE does quote. I'm at a loss for how Daniels could be owned when he owns Christopher Daniels or why now, that's interesting because we have seen this even recently. Like they changed Pete Dunn to butch. And it, it upset a lot of fans of the WWE product saying, oh, he's been on NXT this whole time. That's a WWE system. Why would we do that? Sort of the same thing with Walter. We know Vince's rule has always been, well, I want to own the name. So you can go off and make your own name afterwards. But while you're here, I want to own that and, and forevermore. So I get that, but I am curious. Does that apply here? Is that the thinking with Christopher Daniels? Because just shortening it to Daniels. That's not really going to impede his ability to market himself after TNA. And he's already done it here for a long time. So it doesn't make sense in this instance. So what was the real reason? Yeah. It wasn't an IP issue. And, um, we've touched on this on a couple episodes. Chris is, uh, best moonsault ever. Just so damn good. Technically execution wise, he can have a match with anybody at any time and almost any style, certainly the high flying. But, um, if I recall that, kind of came from the marketing side of the office, not so much creative is that, man, how can we make him, uh, I'll say less of a, uh, baby face or, or less Christopher. The only, all we did was drop Chris or Christopher. It's just, okay, just go with Daniels. It's more of a, that may have been kind of a, uh, a meet in the middle. I, I can hear Dutch's voice or my voice or some other's voice. Like guys, he's been Christopher Daniels since we brought him in. Now we're just going to completely give him a name change. That ain't going to work. And I think we probably compromised and said, just drop Christopher. That's my best recollection. Chris probably has a, uh, a better, better recall, or, or maybe he doesn't, or why don't you ask Dixie Conrad? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't, I, I really don't remember, but specific, but it feels like just let Christopher go kill that and just go with Daniels. The story at the time on TV is that the machine guns, no suicide is Daniels, but Daniels keeps playing it off. Like he's not, 
Um, that's old school wrestling stuff. I love that. Uh, it's reported in the torch that TNA and Conan were finally on the verge of settling their racial discrimination lawsuit. How bad of a black eye is this for the company or what can you tell us about this? I'm sure the, not to get into it. I'm sure we signed every complete in NDA and all that kind of stuff, but man, oh man, the amount of man hours that went into this were a massive distraction for the company. I I can remember hearing folks from Dallas just talk about Jeff, you have no idea how many man hours have gone into this. And, you know, I think in Nashville, we were all super happy that it was about to be in our rearview mirror because it was a mess at one time and then everything got settled out. So, uh, it comes out uh, ahead of time in the torch from one of the sets of TV tapings that, well, let's let Wade describe it. Roxy was released by the company recently following a backstage incident with Rocka Khan, who has major heat in the locker room for some of her behavior. Khan was upset over her role in a recent battle Royal that aired on TNA impact. She eventually hit Roxy with a stiff shot during their match. And Roxy returned fire with a forearm that caught Khan on the nose. Khan dropped her knees and screamed in pain and frustration in a clip that was edited off of the impact show. When Khan returned backstage, she threw a hissy fit and said she was willing to fight other knockouts legitimately. She also told her then boyfriend, Kurt Angle, that the other knockouts had been stealing her clothing and had either stolen or destroyed her computer. Multiple sources laugh at Khan's claims. And the feeling was that more than one person with more than one person is she made up all these allegations because she wanted Kurt to purchase her new clothes and a new computer. When Roxy returned backstage, she tried to make amends and Khan wasn't interested in making peace. They ended up exchanging words and eventually cooler heads prevailed. However, both women were not booked after the incident and apparently were suspended for 60 days. Although Roxy has told friends, she's not aware she's been suspended. Roxy was eventually released by the company and her contract was coming up soon. The belief is that she had already worked enough dates and the company doesn't owe her money. What do you remember of this? Because it's rare that we hear about things getting real in the ring and it's spilling over backstage, but it's gotta be just a pain in the ass. If you're trying to run a show like this, you said it best right there. I do remember kind of this incident, but really just kind of the, the whole broad stretch of, and, and I remember circling back to Dutch because Dutch was probably the first one, maybe not basically saying, Hey Jeff, we're going to have an issue here, man. I I just hear the room because he worked with the knockouts a lot. So he's like, you just overhear everything and everything kind of circles back to, we got a bad apple. We're we're having issues. And I just like, okay, that's cool. And again, I'm dealing with Mick and home and marketing and, Dallas and oh, it is what it is. And then another person and then another person. And after, I don't know, seven, eight folks had come to me and I just said, Dutch, my God, you are spot on. He said, yeah, it, it's an issue. So when that kind of went down, obviously I'm running point. They come to me and I just said, Hey, I, I, y'all can't tell me that he said, she said exactly what happened. If a shot, uh, if there was some type of shoot went on in the ring at the end of the day, are either one of them integral to our storylines? I'm going to answer that. No, L- let's, let's not pick five. Let's not pick a side. Let's not choose side. Let's just 
put both of them on the shelf. It, it was a real issue for a short period of time, but it went away. Uh, Dixie does an interview with Hermie Sadler on his TNA video show and says this quote, competition is very important for the consumer and for the wrestling fan. There's nothing better than having competition. It makes each of us work harder. I know our company will never be satisfied until we are the biggest person in wrestling and bigger. Uh, yeah. Was that ever a goal of yours to beat WWE? You could answer that. Never. Um, now here's the other thing. Does Dixie think that's real or is Dixie? Cause listen, as a promoter, the most stupendous WrestleMania, we're all trying to sell our shit, right? So absolutely we are. So I get that she's trying to sell, but do you think Dixie, I mean, there's no way Dixie really believed that. Right. And I'm going to go back to, it's not experience because she had been in PR a long time, but wordsmithing in the wrestling industry. Uh, maybe it's not, maybe it's marketing as well, but, but I can't, you, she would have to answer that whether she thought it or not. But I, I, I just thought that never give them a headline because no matter what metric, and that's something that continues to go on, whether it's cricket rights fees in, in India, it's the biggest deal at, well, okay, let's measure what you're talking about. So as a promoter, yes, but why? give folks chatter, you know, AEW competition or not. So what is the metric? Okay. Ratings uh, weekly. Okay. They're up there profit. It's not even a discussion. So what are the metrics? But when I read the research on that, I'm thinking to myself, Hermie, what was the question asked and why was it asked and why would Dixie kind of go out on a limb when it's Hermie's on our side reframe the question or something. Yeah. That's what kind of puzzled me that Dixie's a smart lady on on PR. So even if she believed it, I don't think she would spin it that way. That's the confusing part. Even if she believed it, she knows how to wordsmith things better because we were the alternative. You asked me the, you asked me the question and here I go again. I didn't answer. I never, ever, ever had the delusions or thoughts. I wanted to be the alternative. Yes. That's it. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and mention right now that you have alternatives. If, uh, you're looking for uh, Via- Viagra or Cialis, but let me recommend a much better, cheaper way. All right. It's time to dig ourselves out of hibernation. It's time to get sprung with blue chew. This episode and every episode is sponsored by blue chew. And it's because we know that confidence can take you far in life, but it can also help in the bedroom. And that's where blue chew comes in with the hot tag. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take these dudes anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, the process is simple. You'll sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. That means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code MYWORLD at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is MYWORLD to receive your first month free. 
Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. And you know what else? Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Uh, the main event here is uh, Kevin Nash and Booker over Styles and Joe. Meltzer would say this wasn't very good between his elbow injury and his knees. Nash can't do much of anything. They showed Lashley arriving in the arena, wearing his ATT t-shirt. Joe came out four minutes in, and then they go to a commercial block uh, and, and it ends with Jenna distracting Earl Hebner, Charmel giving Booker the legends belt, which he would hit styles with for the pin. And then styles and Joe argue, but they cut away before they come to blows or where you could see anything more than a tease of stuff to come. Uh, and Meltzer would say that the last segment was weird angle confronted Foley and keep in mind, angle said he was going to take over office at the beginning of the show. And now they're at the end of the show. Why would it matter by this point? And before this happened, Foley was shown agreeing to a big contract with a new superstar with the idea. It was Lashley and said when he screamed now that the guy's supposed to run in and help him. So angle comes out and Foley keeps saying now, but nobody comes angle attacks Foley who then said that angle was so mad over the chair shot. He could get one free chair shot. And he said he once took 11. We're talking about the match with the rock that aired on beyond the mat, but angle would only get one and angle didn't like the office chair. So Foley got on the phone to call for a folding chair and then attacked angle with a phone and used the Socko claw on him. And then a masked man attacked and laid out Foley and he took off the disguise and it was sting. So this is pretty tough to figure out again. It looks like Foley's got a big superstar. He signed a big contract. He's got some backup. We think it's Lashley. He gives the cue now, now, now nobody ever comes when somebody does come it's sting. Are we overthinking some of this? Maybe <laughs> a little bit scrambled eggs. Uh, we didn't, we glossed over. I was going to ask you something. You, you said that uh, Lashley had on his ATT shirt. Yeah. American, American top team. His, Our his MMA shirt, Dan Lambert. That's it. So Dan Lambert being attached, current AEW superstar. Doing stuff back. here back in 09. It's crazy. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's uh, again, um, the ebbs and flows, I'll say the checks and balances of in-ring product versus storyline. This obviously got convoluted, messy, uh, any other adjective you want. But um, it all to not get not get granular and look at it just on this three minute segment, Mick was playing the role of a crazy man, just a fun loving insanity guy that okay, when I say now, come out and then okay, I'll give you one guitar shot, kind of crazy. And Kurt being the champion, and man, he's such a damn good heel. He wanted it all. He had the belt, then he wanted power. So that was that was his character. Uh, development through this show. So was it perfect? Hell no. Was it entertaining? Yes, it was. It's around this time that uh, McMahon says in the Hollywood trade journal, that TNA's product is reprehensible. what do you think of that comment? 
I, I tried to jar my brain, and damn you, Derek, you didn't give me more context on just what Vince, what the question was, what's reprehensible about our product. Was it just a general Vince statement, which uh, you, you got to love that no matter what, if it talks about his competition, he's going to go right for the jugular, yeah. no matter what. I get it, um, but reprehensible, probably because of the blood with Mick at, at lockdown, if we're kind of time stamping that comment. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. He always went after the blood. Yeah. Yeah. Or the chair shots or something along those lines, but TNA being reprehensible. You know what my response to that was? What's that? Thanks for mentioning this Vince. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) So, oh man, TNA impact on uh, April 30th does a 1.15 rating gets 1.6 million viewers. It did a 0.99 in males, 18 to 34 and a 1.05 in males, 35 to 49. It's second with adult males behind the NBA playoffs on TNT. That's it for all the cable. Pretty good numbers here. I was going to say, but now here we are in 09 and you just, that what I thought was kind of fun that it was only beat out by what NBA playoffs. And that's how appropriate for what's going on today. Live event, sporting event with much bigger stakes than a show that airs 52 weeks a year. They're in the playoffs, uh, kind of the same world. When you started talking about those demos and a 0.99, I can remember whether it's a text from Kevin K or whoever during Scott Fishman or Brian diamond, whatever, you know, they always would dial into that male demo. Um, it, you know, th- these were, Certainly fun Fridays because the ratings would come out Friday and Hey man, look at the numbers. So I, I remember those times with fondness because the ratings were rolling. Um, beer money will be, uh, taking on the new British invasion, uh, Doug Williams and Brutus Magnus, which is uh, Nick Aldis now at sacrifice in the finals of this team 3d tournament. Uh, British Invasion is one of the more underrated stables in, in TNA history. Why do you think that is? Opportunity and timing. Um, I can remember when we put them together. I and you know because of our UK UK situation, like man, th- this has got a real opportunity because Doug is the tried and true vet that can do anything inside the ring, and here's Nick, this up and comer. Um, just incredible looks and swagger. And, you know, I, I became, I was a fan of Nick from day one. It, there's no secret about that, but I really like this pairing. Uh, but look, Motor City Machine Guns, Beer Money, Team 3D. Our roster was pretty deep in tag teams. And so the opportunity to really get rolling just really never came about. Hernandez has written off TV after it's discovered he's got a bad neck. Uh, he once upon a time felt like he was going to be a really big star in TNA. I don't know that it ever happened the way a lot of folks would have hoped. Uh, why don't you think he got over in a bigger way to the audience? Communicating, talking, rapping. When you have a guy like Conan that can cut maybe the best bilingual promo guy in history, because he can do it in Spanish and English. You're a historian. Do you know of a better bilingual promo guy, uh, Conan? No. I mean, uh, Conrad, I'm, I'm being serious. I don't, it's the first time I've, that just kind of rolled out, but 
Conan's talk and promo skills far overshadowed the entire act, whether it was homicide, Hernandez, in-ring work, or whatever it may be. His promo skills overshadowed the act in, in a good way. But Hernandez, in hindsight, he never had a chance of getting over because he couldn't talk like Conan. He looked great, worked pretty good for a big man. But as far as his verbal skills, that was what kept him back. So Elijah Burke is backstage waiting at his 90 days with his WWE release. Is there ever thought process going through your head that, Hey man, if we're just signing a bunch of WWE releases, we look less like the alternative and more like less than, uh, no, I don't think that about Elijah Burke. We know he's going to go on to have quite a great run with TNA, but I'm just curious, like, is that at least always in the back of your mind that it's cool to have these for the short term pop. And we know there's some really talented guys, but we don't want to get the perception that we're just WWE liked for sure. I, I, I had that often. And when you looked at our roster of the main event mafia, all guys, and we promoted that fact, they were all world champions before they arrived at TNA. That was their calling card. That's five guys. We didn't want to go much later. Yes, we did. But you look at Team 3D. Yes, they were ECW, but they also got over, uh, you know, with with Edge and Christian and the Hardys and 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 that role. So I was very conscientious of that. Um, very tough balancing act. Um, trying to pull the number ratings wise, but yes, uh, whether it was, yeah, we could go through a whole list of guys that were really good pieces of talent that got their opportunity, but. The balancing act of becoming WWE light was always front and center in my brain, always, because it went against the grain of being the alternative. Okay, time to take a time out right now and tell you why we believe that NAD plus supplementation is an important part of your health routine as you age. If you've seen these pictures floating around of Jeff Jarrett lately, you know, my brother's looking better than ever. Uh, and it's because he knows where to go to get the right stuff. Basis by Elysium Health is the most trusted source for NAD plus supplementation. Their product basis is clinically proven to help increase levels of NAD plus by 40%, both safely and sustainably. Elysium's products target aging at its source. They're unlike any other health company that Jeff and I have ever seen. And they're at the forefront of NAD plus supplementation. Check this out. They have dozens of the world's best scientists. In fact, eight of them are Nobel prize winners. It was founded by renowned researcher, Dr. Leonard Garantay, who studied the science of aging for more than 30 years. So we know we can trust them. NAD plus is found in every single cell of your body. It's responsible for creating energy and regulating hundreds of cell functions. NAD plus levels decline as you age. So things like lack of sleep, intense exercise, unbalanced diet, or sun overexposure also deplete those NAD plus levels. Decreased NAD plus levels are linked to the faster biological aging and can slow down vital body functions. Basis is going to replace those youthful levels of NAD plus to promote healthy aging, support cellular energy and metabolism, and also reduce your general tiredness to keep you feeling good for longer. Many basis customers also report experiencing higher energy, less fatigue, and more satisfying workouts. Basis is third-party tested by independent labs, both during and after manufacture for purity and quality. And it's independently verified as NSF certified for sport. So just to recap, 
This is going to help replenish your youthful levels of NAD plus up to 40% safely and sustainably. It's also going to activate what we would call our longevity genes to promote healthy aging. It's going to support your energy and metabolism on the cellular level. It's also going to support recovery from workouts, reduce your general tiredness and fatigue. It's going to help you have healthier skin, and it's also going to improve your general health and wellness. So why not try basis at trybasis.com slash my world and enter code my world at checkout for 10% off basis prepaid plans, as well as other Elysium health supplements. That's trybasis.com slash my world and use the code my world at checkout to save 10%. And we thank Elysium health for sponsoring today's episode. Some other news here. They also brought back Kip to lose in a stretcher match to Kong. I hope they disguise this well because Kong is five, nine build, uh, at six, one, but they can sort of get away with it because women like Taylor Wilde are so short, but Kip is six, four, and he's going to look so much taller than her and expose the size gimmick. What's the thinking? Is this like punishment now for Billy Gunn after? And I have zero recollection. You talk about a repressed memory. I don't remember why this came about creatively what the end result was other than getting Kong over, but why Billy? I really don't recall. Maybe there's a story behind the story and I, it, and, and road dog's name wasn't mentioned in the research here, right? No. Yeah. So I don't know. They're doing a show called TNA epics. This is from Meltzer's report along the line of WWE vintage collection, which will be airing in the UK with Foley as the host. The show will air old stuff, including the original pay-per-view events from Nashville. It'll air on Bravo in the UK at 10 PM on Friday night, starting the 15th, which means it goes head to head with the first airing of SmackDown on sky Bravo airs, both the impact show, as well as the monthly specials that are pay-per-views here in the U S they're pushing that Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Roddy Piper, Tito Ortiz, and Ken Shamrock will be among the stars appearing on the show. We don't really spend a lot of time talking about international deals, but once upon a time where maybe it was a little more challenging to get sort of the product to catch on here in the States, you did not always have that problem internationally. Did you? Not at all. And man, I just put a smile on my face when, you know, just the title TNA epics and knowing that at this point we're, you know, right at the seven year mark. So we had a you know, not a massive library, but certainly we had a pretty deep library and with Mick and his ability to host products and be the face of a, you know, shoulder programming and we can monetize it with very little hard cost, uh, soft cost, you know, Sully and his team and the edits and the international folks, but hard cost, it's, it's something that, it, it helps the ROI in year-end financials tremendously because not hard to produce, but it is a television show that we can monetize around the globe. And, and that was something that was obviously very, very appealing to Dallas and the Carters and Dean and, you know, and, and, you know, you, you look at a guy like Mick Foley and you sign him to a deal and you X amount of dates and how you do this it, it just, that that's something that mixed value to the roster. You couldn't put a number on it on a per episode because his brand and everything that went with it and his ability to do these kind of shows, these kind of shows. 
So there's some other stuff in the observer. Uh, lastly, didn't sign a contract last week and wasn't brought to t- Yeah. Did we skip over what TNA epics was? No, uh, maybe that's- no, well, I touched on it, that it was the old shows. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Meltzer would say Lashley didn't sign a contract last week and was brought to TV. So unless he signs, and they bring him to Nashville to cut promos to insert. He won't be on TV until the pay-per-view at the earliest, which is two days after his next fight. The company decided they weren't going to use him on television until he signed because that's not good business. Think about that for a second. So now they started a couple weeks storyline, which was dropped cold over the next three weeks of TV and may go nowhere. He said they were busy trying to work out schedule issues. And he said he'd be doing more than four days a month with TNA, but wouldn't do any pro wrestling matches within a few weeks of fights because of the injury risk. So listen, I understand we're not going to put him on TV till he's on, on paper, but you've already done it at this point and you've already started. And I know this is, this feels like a shame on you, shame on me deal, but talk me through this. Yeah. Um, it's one of those deals that from a creative perspective, yes, write him in TV. And this is what we heard from Dixie and Dean. Yes. Go ahead and write him. We've got the deal done and it wasn't done. Now there wasn't any, any animosity. There wasn't any real sticking points, but Bobby and team had not signed and we had been given the green light. And then all of a sudden we find out he's not signed. And matter of fact, he's got a fight coming up. And so he can't commit on certain dates, this, and that. So, uh, I guess the best phrase was, Hey fellas, let's bump the brakes on this right now. Let's, uh, let's talk about the other note from the observer here. Funny weekend house show story backstage before the show, they have a lineup sheet posted of all the matches. They put a star next to whoever's going over that night. And at the bottom of the sheet, even though they use the same symbols every night, there's a note that reads star equals winner. Anyway, over the weekend, someone put a plus next to the name of the losers. And on one sheet at the bottom, it read plus equals jobber on another sheet at the bottom. It read plus equals look good. Good attitude. Not tonight. And on the final sheet, it said (laughs) plus equals C Kip James. So. I don't know that you ever, uh, listen, I know there's, there used to be little formulas where like, Hey, they always list the winner first or they underline the winner or whatever. But the idea that you put a star next to it or an asterisk, and then you go down to the bottom and you explain it. That sort of is like, well, either, you know, or didn't, you don't want to have a spoiler in your hand. It's supposed to be some sort of code you would think, but then to just write, well, this means jobber. It's like, well, that's, that's not really wrestler terminology. That's, that's fan terminology. Good look, good attitude. Not tonight. Feels like something Jeff Jarrett would say to a guy. I want to encourage you, but tonight's not the night. And then the last one, boy, that's just mean spirited. See Kip James. What can you tell us about this? I, I was not uh, on these live events to my record. Does research give us who's on these live events? I don't believe so. I wish we, we would have been provided that. Um, but I'll just say this boys will be boys will be boys on live events and having a little fun. Uh, so I'm sure it probably started on night one and by night three, it got into the hole or maybe it started like at five o'clock in the afternoon and by eight thirty or nine, all the addendums went to the sheet, but I, I can't imagine that the office started, uh, with, you know, deciphering the code at the bottom of the live event. 
you know, when people arrive, guys arrive at the building, all they really want to do know is where's catering, where's coffee, and what number am I on tonight? That's pretty much the drill. Uh, who's winning and losing and all that kind of stuff that can be done in a 30 second conversation. So, um, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know who posted it. I don't know who pulled the rib. Uh, I, I, I don't recall any more of that, but it is fun to read live event or house show ribs. Those ones that are really just so simple and, and no harm, no foul, but it's almost like it passes the time. It's, uh, you know, it's college frat housing. Yeah, that's fun stuff. Yeah. Meltzer says the next show was pretty weird. Uh, all I can say is this was one weird show. Almost the whole show was designed to be cute with the major impact being built up around a Mick Foley attack on Jeff Jarrett taped at the old Nashville fairgrounds, which led to Jarrett beating or putting up his stock or voting power or something in TNA to get into the ultimate sacrifice match. The show was built around Foley and Jarrett with the tapes of two days in the life of Jarrett in Nashville. And Foley said Jarrett wasn't at the tapings for the first time ever, not backstage helping or in front of the cameras. They worked hard trying to make Jarrett into a family man, baby face, showing him hanging out with his daughters all day, picking them up from school taking them to different after-school activities. His youngest daughter came off real cute on TV, but the problem is the context of impact is so goofy that doing something real now seems out of place to make it work. You'd almost have to revamp things for a few weeks. I mean, they proved last year you can draw with it if you do it right, but they don't have the confidence or discipline for it in the end, no matter what they do long-term people are just not into that. Just not that into Jarrett as a baby face. Lot to unpack here. Let me start backwards though. Long term, I, I, I think I probably agree with that. Most people consider you a heel rather than a baby face, right? I hated Jeff Jarrett. I got a couple of comments this past weekend on that. The ex- almost verbatim. Hey man, love your podcast. You and Conrad had a lot of fun. But can I tell you something? Yeah, let me let me hear it. And I know what's coming now. Now it's I know exactly what's coming. Uh yeah. I, I it's the simply irresistible Conrad. I think you're the only fan of simply irresistible because it was tremendous. I love it. Um, the, the, the criticism of the shows have been so goofy. This doesn't work because it's real. Let's play a little of it. And then we'll talk about it on the other side. Let's track it here. It's five minutes. We'll be back. You think you can drive this thing by yourself? What? You think you can drive it by yourself? Yes, I can. Do I need a button on? Yes, we do. I was going to do so we're showing you driving the girl, the girls around on the uh, golf cart. And now here on the jet ski uh, on the lake there behind your house. Did you have fun? Uh-huh. That didn't sound very convincing. You ready for dance? No. Yes, you are. Who's the best dancer in the family? Me. Me? You? I thought I was. Um, we got wet, didn't we? Oh, oh. <laughs> what we, Did you like that? Jocelyn used to love that when we would go over the big waves. They weren't too big of waves today. We got to go get the sisters at school. You think there's going to be a long line today? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, it drives Every you crazy. What are you talking What's that about? We didn't check the mail? Are you going to get it for me? Oh, sure. Uh, hold on. Let me stop. Let me stop. Mail. How old is this little girl now, Jeff? 
Just say that. Jeff. Yeah. Okay. All right. next month. Oh, well, that's yours here. Uh, you no. got a magazine, huh? He's got a recital this week. Not a recital this week. He's got a dance competition, right? Yeah. Yeah. The recital's not till June. Do you know that? Uh -huh. Oh, don't give me that look. Oh, in June, and we're getting our dog, too. <laughs> getting the dog? Yes. Now we got to go get the girls from school. Dance, piano, basketball. A good old Wednesday afternoon in the Jared household. Not like Mick Foley going to a stinking diner up north. Bless his heart. He doesn't really, he doesn't really know what living is, does he? Get a little bass in that voice. Woof, woof. Woof, woof. <laughs> you know who I think you ought to read this book to? Mick. Mick needs some reading, too. He writes books. I think he needs a book read to him. It makes sense. So you get the gist here. It's, it's, uh, it's showing you taking care of the girls all day long, riding them around. Uh, and then of course you're going to do some glad handing downtown on Broadway afterwards. What's the, uh, with JB. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I think y'all both done that a few times if I had to guess. Oh, there's a funny little spot there. He walks out of some uh, a karaoke bar. I'll leave well, it. At well, that. here we'll track it. Here we go. Cause I, I know what you're talking about. I looked all over town to find a bigger pussycat than Mick Foley. I finally found one. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed tonight. I'm calling it an early night because I got to get to uh, Impact tomorrow. So. Yeah. That's all I need. Islands in the streams coming up. Are you drinking or singing? Both. Tell Sally to pay your bill. See you, JB. Please. See you One tomorrow night. night. One many Frank. An Abe Lincoln something. Help. Nude karaoke is where we caught <laughs> Jeremy Borash coming out of. And I'll be honest, I didn't even know Nashville had such a thing. Were you a regular at nude karaoke? That, that's Jer JB's establishment. That, that I was hanging with... Uh, member of the music mafia, two foot Fred and hanging out at your favorite, uh, steakhouse, the palm. So, yeah. And, and I, I point that out every time we're in there, uh, <laughs> and, and I've got lunch with somebody or something. I'll say, Hey, before we go, you won't believe this, <laughs> uh, irresistible on the wall. So the, uh, I mean, that's, that's a girl that is like preschool that you're hanging out with. And now boy, does time fly. She's graduated high school, right? But she's a uh, rising senior. Well, yeah. the three, the, but yeah, but the, the little one, Jaron, she's rising senior. So how time flies. It's unbelievable. It really is. That little girl can vote now. Uh, <laughs> wow. Is this a good build to the pay-per-view? What say you? So pull back 30,000 viewpoint lockdown and bound for glory are our two big ones. If you will. Uh, Bound for Glory in the fall, kind of the replacement of Halloween Havoc and Lockdown is the opposite. And we've covered that of uh, Mania. Uh, so this is the May pay-per-view. And so creating something, trying to stay along the storylines of the name of the pay-per-view, Sacrifice. I think at the end of the day, 
Kurt's title was the, the, the centerpiece. I had to show that I wanted to be in, um, you know, so I put up my company shares. Obviously it's all storyline driven. Is it an A plus? No. Is it a, even maybe a B plus probably not. I'll give it a bit, you know, who here we go grading and five star and giving it a report card. It served its purpose. And the way that I say that is, is ratings were very good during this run. Um, and ratings is just one component of pay-per-view bass. So Meltzer would say this, uh, the new Don West role is patterned almost completely after Bobby Heenan. What's impressive about West. And I don't think he ever saw much of Heenan or studied him, but Mike today was Heenan's best friend in WCW. So he knows how to work with Heenan and how to make him shine. The West situation is interesting because nobody knows what his future is. The expectation is that Taz is coming in for a short-term role as Joe's mentor and will eventually become a manager. And people don't know if that means a three-man booth or how it affects West. Most likely Taz would not replace Tanay since Tanay plays a different role. Is this where you saw Don West maybe trying to go once upon a time, be a Bobby Heenan? And, and did you think eventually his job might be in jeopardy because Taz was coming in? So the maneuvering, I love Taz as a talent, or I thought that would where he would serve TNA the very best, not in the booth because moving Taz over into that slot, not having to do anything with Taz's skills. But then all of a sudden half our team is a WWE announced booth. And we had been far enough away from WCW and Mike would had been with us from the beginning. So Taz as a talent and especially with Joe worked Mike today and Don West, I thought really worked because it was different. It wasn't Lawler and Jr. and everybody that I just kind of went through. So, but the maneuverings behind the scenes and behind my back candidly with Vince and Dixie and others, they had really really started their sinking their teeth in. They were moving Don out. I said, okay, Don, let's roll with this. We can always switch you back, switch you back. Babyface. I didn't really see him as a Heenan type deal. What I wanted to do is, is Conrad, you know, if you roll up at uh, the boot, say on a Thursday afternoon, five 30 and Alabama's got a big game on Saturday and they're favored by two and a half and in comes this Auburn fan. Who's just kind of an asshole Yep, is a know-it-all. And he wants to give you the history from the last 30 years. And he's a know-it-all on why they're going to win this Saturday. Finally, you kind of had enough of this sports fan just saying, shut up. You're not as smart as you think you are. That's the role that I kind of pitched to Don. I said, Don, I don't like it, but if we're going with it and the powers that be want it, be the sports fan that you despise. And he goes, I got it. <laughs> I got it. I can do that because Don is a sports guy. He's a trivia guru. Uh, but that's kind of the role that instead of being the cheer and enthusiastic, just be the asshole sports fan. And Mike Tanay, his first, not his first job, but before he became a wrestling announcer, he's a sports guy and can tell you lines and knows point counterpoint and those two guys in a room talking about any kind of sport, you give one guy, one point, one guy, the other point, they're going to be very entertaining in their discussion. That's the role that I saw it headed. 
So chat me up about Slammiversary. Tickets go on sale for uh, this Slammiversary 09 show. It's going to be at the Palace of Auburn Hills. Mm. This is a a building that holds 23,000 people. This is a huge shift in the way TNA has approached stuff like this. Why the Palace of Auburn Hills? First off, you know, the Palace of Auburn Hills is where, in a lot of ways, Slap Nuts was blossomed. The old sign in Nitro, there was eight, nine guys up there with Slap Nuts signs, and I got called in to standards and practices at the Palace. And, Jeff, what does this mean? But anyway, that's another story. Um, the first, the Plymouth, Michigan, which is, excuse me, uh, west of Detroit, so we're going back into the Detroit market and I would assume don't recall specifics is we couldn't get that venue. So we wanted to stay in Detroit because we could sell tickets there. And the palace was probably giving us an incredible deal, but my God, Conrad, it's a huge building I, that almost doesn't do it. Just it's, it's one of those. It's Madison square garden size. And you guys have been running a soundstage. It's like, what? Yes. What? Yes. Yes. Psst. Who's going to take care of your family. If something happens to you, what would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to goliathlife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms you're in total control but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to goliathlife.com. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. Uh, so this is the go home show now, and they're trying something different here. Meltzer would say, as he's trying to recap it, but the big gist is the stuff with you and Foley Foley wanted Jeff to put up his voting shares in the company. What was amazing is they showed the crowd and everyone was screaming. No, that they didn't want Jeff to do it. But after some more insults, when he did the same crowd pop for it, well, better than ignoring it. Speaking of ignoring in December. Jeff had given up his backstage power to Foley when he said he was returning to wrestle. So you have your father being brought up in a storyline during this time when you're not really talking to him all that much. Is that risky? So Foley said he went to Nashville to talk things out, but seeing the building caused him to go crazy and remind him how much he hated Jeff and Jeff's father. And Meltzer would say the father thing worked because luckily nobody in the crowd knows Jeff and his father haven't talked in years ever since Jerry completely embarrassed Jeff by going to the WWE headquarters with Kozlov and having put on the WWE website, which caused people in TNA to think that Jerry was negotiating for Jeff to leave. And it cost Jeff a lot of trust in the company short term. So that's the, the reason it happened and the reason maybe you guys weren't speaking anymore. And we'll talk about all that another time, but it is a big move here. We're showing your kids on TV and now we're talking about your dad feels like that would have been a no fly zone. Later, there was a situation with Eric young 
in storyline that my dad was mentioned that I know he got upset. And I, the way I know that is I heard through Dallas that he basically says, I don't care if it's a work or not. Don't mention my name on your program, period. I respect that. Obviously, a uh, lot of water under the bridge, so to speak. Um, but at this point, storyline and Foley, and I didn't see any problem with it from the real macro level that, look, Mick, I can't say that he loved his time in Tennessee and USWA and Dallas, but he respects it and kind of know knew then and today it was a part of his journey uh, to become a household name. But using my father's name in the context, I never saw an issue with it. It's a storyline, period. So let's let's talk about some other storylines that are here on the show. Eric Young's mad at Jarrett for having to wrestle his idol Sting. Jarrett's yelling at him like he's sick of guys bugging him, telling Young if it wasn't for him. He'd still be doing Indies in Southern Ontario quote. If you wonder where that verbiage comes from, it's basically frustration by the writers because the young guys complain about having been there for six years and still never getting a chance. And management's reaction is always, Hey, if it wasn't for us, you'd be working for $50 a night. That's what Meltzer says. How close is that to the truth? So it's, it's funny how kind of in this research, this episode is, you know, these guys have been with us five years, six years, seven years, and that's all true in some cases, but the growth and the transition and all that, it's, it's almost that whether somebody was reporting it to Dave or not, whether he fabricated it or took a little bit of it and blew it up and all that guys going back to the situation that we have covered multiple times a two-hour show with a limited amount of slots and a limited amount of house shows, at the end of the day, guys want to pay their bills, and I never, ever faulted anybody for that. But the damn juggling act that we played and couldn't write checks just to make everybody happy, um, that, that was a, a, it was a constant battle, period. And so whether it was a, a, a guy like – but Eric, Eric definitely wasn't one of them that would bitch and moan. Did he want more work? Yes. Did he vocalize it? Yes. Did sometimes he would come with, I'm going to hit you with seven ideas and I hope one sticks. Cause that'll get me on impact next week. Absolutely. That's all part of growth. Uh, but, but, but the narrative that the young guys were bitching and that's what the crutch of creative, I think it's how it was said, not crutch, but creative came up with that. That's kind of editorializing fiction writing, if you will, that Dave has made millions off of. <laughs> so they do a contract signing between awesome Kong and Angelina love. Eventually Kong winds up power bombing Rudy Charles through the table. It was a good segment, but it does make me ask, uh, how, how excited was Rudy to take a power bomb through the table? <laughs> My man, Danny Engler. He's a, he's a, he's a champ. He's always up for doing what's best for business. Um, you know, Kong being a baby face in this role and man, it's, I, I would really have to drill down, but is this peak beautiful people? Maybe that came later, but Angelina love in this role was really good. She she's, she's a heel, but she's facing Kong and 
Kong's power bombing a ref through a table during this, but good old Rudy took him a good old power bomb, but he doesn't do that on Friday nights. Does he? So Jarrett's going to beat DQ in a short match. Uh, Joe is going to keep kicking uh, Jarrett's bad leg and referee slick Johnson. who was established as Jeff's buddy last week on TV kept trying to protect Jarrett until Joe attacked Johnson for the DQ. Uh, Styles made the save for Jarrett and they had a pull apart. Makes sense on the go home show when Styles is wrestling Booker on Sunday and they are never near each other. And Joe is wrestling Nash. Uh, wow. So a lot of criticism here. Ultimately though, uh, a couple of guys carry out a cardboard cutout of Sylvester Stallone from an early Rocky movie as uh, Rocky Balboa. Uh, he says he's even had an old man. Uh, as a trainer named Mickey and the guys are holding the cutout, actually pick up the card out and jab the fist at Foley who sells it. Like he's being punched by Terry funk. And then Foley hulks up and uses a suplex. The Mickey guys cheering for Foley. Um, Foley is going to use a pile driver and the people's elbow. And he nearly trips trying to run the ropes on this thing. And Jared comes out and says, I've had enough. You, I've spent seven years of my life building this company. And Foley's turning it into a joke. So eventually stings involved angles involved <sighs> cardboard cutouts, baby trying to sell some pay-per-views Mick Foley and all his creative glory. It's Mick's way of obviously not doing the standard cookie cutter, if you will promo. And uh, again, Mick connecting with his audience emotionally in a different route. Does it work for everybody? Maybe, maybe not, but it was damn sure entertaining. I mean, it, just you rereading it. I just chuckled because I remember him executing it. Well, let's jump into it. We're finally here. Uh, sacrifice went down on the 24th in Orlando. Uh, it's a typical TNA pay-per-view got a hot crowd. Most would say it's good. If you like effort from the wrestlers, but it's also frustrating if you like to make much sense, uh, or building to something bigger. So the torch says, if you ordered the pay-per-view, you're likely a diehard fan. There were competitive NBA playoff matchups on TNT. It's Memorial day weekend with many gatherings with friends and family going on. And well, it's TNA. If you watch this show, you can't get too upset with the usual TNA booking ticks to put it nicely. Um, you order a TNA pay-per-view to see storylines forwarded and convoluted and unconvincing as they are. You watch honest efforts by the hardworking, talented TNA athletes that fill that roster. Good efforts from the wrestler made sacrifice a more than watchable show in terms of spots, sequences, and athleticism, but the terrible booking dampened the entire show and it's become the primary story of TNA's current existence. Do you remember feeling that, that man, we got too good of a roster for this to be our creative. Were you disappointed in the creative or is this all just something people write? You know, this journey that we've, uh, that you've taken me on in my world and you know, we've been serious and cut up from time to time. And we've talked on air and off air about TNA, LOL, and you know, all that we've gotten granular on business and numbers and all that. But when I kind of sit back and look at the criticism, some absolutely justifiable. I think sometimes to sell newsletters and other times just because it wasn't their cup of tea and they're all right to do that. But I think to myself, our business model was 12 pay-per-views a year. 
just think if it would have been two or four. Yeah. And this would have been a special or another impact that we would have built to, or a three hour impact, whatever it may be, what the tone would have been, because at the end of the day, we're writing 52 weeks a year. No, what we're really writing is 52 times two is 104 times three, 36. So we're doing about 140 hours a year. So you're writing 40 hours of 140 hours of content over the year. It's that, Hey, we're asking you to buy this. How much does that factor in? I don't know. It's just good fodder, good chatter. Uh, but no, I mean, again, creative subjective. And it's not like we walked into a creative room and say, Hey, Hey, Vince Dutch today, let's write the most average shows we possibly can today. Of course not. Of course not. It's just, you know, it wasn't everybody's cup of tea. We uh, start the pay-per-view with a bonus match, which is Jay lethal and consequences creed, who we know as Xavier woods teaming up with Eric young to take on Chris Saban, Alex Shelley and Sheikh Abdul Bashir. Uh, the observer gave it three and a half stars. The torch gave it two and a quarter stars. A lot of talented folks here. Would you ever, ever guess that the biggest star of the bunch was going to be consequences creed? How about that? And, you know, also, I think there's a pre-show match that we didn't cover because I was kind of went outside. I actually went out, went over to our brother friend, Wikipedia. Um, but because I was trying to think of, we were doing live pre-shows. In that impact zone, man, 08, 09, they, were, they came to watch a three-hour event. There was so much energy in energy in the, in the buildings at that time. Cause we were, I mean, anyway, I won't get granular on that, but a lot of fun, but uh, a lot of talent bonus match. We came out of the gate with. So just to remind everybody, uh, Sheik Abdul Basar is, is Davari. So you, yeah. just to recap, Jay lethal, Eric young, Xavier woods, Chris Saban, Alexander uh, or Alex Shelley and Sean Davari, man, you got a lot of talented folks here. Well, you ain't kidding. You ain't kidding, bud. They could all tear the house down. And, you know, earlier in the episode, we talked about Sanjay and Petey. Yeah. I mean, that nuclear, that's the X division nucleus right there. Next up, we've got Taylor wild pinning Daphne in three minutes and 33 seconds. It's a monsters ball match with the ladies. Um, interesting approach to, to have to do something like this. Uh, the torch gave it no rating. The observer gave it one star. Um, of course, Abyss is involved. Dr. Stevie is involved too. That's Stevie Richards. Eventually, uh, Abyss sees that there's some shenanigans going on. He goes crazy, turns on Dr. Stevie, finishes by throwing him onto the thumbtacks. Stevie's wearing a white shirt. So you can see spots of blood coming through the shirt and quote, I don't know that this is the direction to go, but they do have something to differentiate themselves from WWE. And doing the blood and the thumbtacks is clearly a direction. The new WWE isn't going to be going. So I wanted to bring that up because when we're talking about an alternative, I know when you think of an alternative, I can't imagine that what you're thinking is, oh, I got it. Thumbtacks. You're supposed to say words here. What? what I, I, I don't know. Um, 
I think, wait, so is your question, did I, did I think thumbtacks were part of the alternative? No, I'm just saying Meltzer's framing it that way. Well, this is at least something WWE won't do, but it's hard for me to imagine. All right, guys, we got the X division. We got thumbtacks. I got you. I got you. Now, look, I'm, I am a kind of a believer that on a pay-per-view, do a little something special. Don't be gratuitous in your violence and your blood. Um, but it's a, 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 a part of being an alternative is something they wouldn't do. I think if you do it every show, it, it, no good, but on, on certain occasions, I think it works. So, uh, it's tough to keep up with the storylines here, but next up we've got suicide, um, going to a draw with Daniels in 17 minutes and six seconds. Now process this now. Christopher Daniels has been portraying the suicide character, but now suicides wrestling Daniels Meltzer would say this was seven stages of weird. This had several storylines. The most entertaining one was Don West as announcer, but this direction is pretty much the same goofy shit WCW would do in 99 and 2000. Granted, this is a different fan base, but I'm not sure what fans ran off a decade ago will draw in fans today. West continues to insist that Daniels and suicide are the same person, but now there's a new suicide. Mike Tanay, the babyface announcer, disagrees. Not only that, but West also brought up Curry Man, insinuating he's also the same person. By the way, that was Christopher Daniels' persona in Japan. He explained that this match was going to that we were seeing was a choreographed work. Using the term choreographed but not work, he said that Daniels put a stooge in the suicide costume to drop the title to him in this match. And the wrestling here was largely good, but the whole face versus face dynamic caused people to not know how to react. So chat me up here, man. It's the same guy. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Well, this isn't even a real match. It's fake. He just put this guy. Are we getting too highbrow with some of this way too highbrow? I I don't remember that actually being a Don West directive on commentary about work and choreograph. I that didn't come from my brain, not saying it didn't air, but that that's kind of, that's confusing to me. As you read it, here's something that sort of came to light just last week. You know, uh, our, uh, our podcast, uh, member, Jake, the snake Roberts and myself, we did a skybound panel for the game that you're in the video game that you're in WrestleQuest. I didn't, I knew it was big back then, but in the history of video games, the suicide character being force first created within a video game, but then coming to life is a really was, and is a really, really, really big deal in the gaming world, but suicide as the wrestling character kind of run its course. And so how do we evolve it? It basically, everybody knew that it was Daniels. He worked like Daniels. He did a moonsight like uh, moonsight, like Chris Daniels that only he can do like that. So, okay, we're going to, take a left and come up with another suicide. So it's a storyline. I don't remember Don West given that not saying he didn't do it, but damn dude, that's really confusing to me. Chore- choreograph work in a baby face match. What? <laughs> I like what? It's uh, uh it's pretty crazy. Uh, Kazarian is suicide bad, bad by the way. Creative. <laughs> Go ahead. It's, it's actually Kazarian Meltzer says they deserved better, but it was just too cute and they need to come up with something else, but it's challenging because Everybody's trying to come up with something else. The torch got uh, a star and uh, three quarters for it. Dave liked it a little better, two and three quarter stars for it. Next up, though, uh, something that 
Well, it wasn't really over with Dave. It only got half a star, but Wade liked it a star and a quarter. It's Angelina love beating awesome Kong in just under six minutes. Um, you know, you're trying to feature the ladies more. This is, you know, our fifth match on the show. If you count the pre-show match, if you're just on the pay-per-view, this is the fourth match and this is the second female match. So that's kind of cool, but I just don't think wrestling maybe for women was where it is now, at least here in America. Fair to say we were pushing. We, we really were put, we had success with it. Ratings wise, we had success with it storyline wise, but as we would sort of in these early days, I call it early days in the, in the, in the knockouts two women's storyline w- was not optimal, maybe one and then a floater, but, but it was challenging, but I also look back on it now, hindsight 2020 and really, really look at just how damn good Gail Kim, awesome Kong were to headline an impact that there that, that it's the talent, whether you're male or female, um, no disrespect to any of the others, but we, we took so much time methodically building that, but this was really good, but you know, uh, Daphne and Taylor wide and a monsters ball. There's not many guys that can have good monster ball matches. So are we kind of handcuffing them with bad creative a little bit? Probably the, uh, the other thing that sticks out here, quote, Don West was going on about how they need to protect love's implants. I know that he's trying to do his best Bobby Heenan and he's trying to be a heel, but man, especially now that just comes off out of place. And again, different time, different place. And he's probably been fed a lot of these lines. I'm not dunking on Mr. West. I think everybody listening to this knows how high regard you and I hold him and that we're pulling for him and all of his stuff that he's got going on. But still, you don't hear guys often talk about, oh, they got to be careful to protect so-and-so's implants, even though that is a thing, you know, you do enough moonsaults off the top, something's going to happen eventually, maybe. Uh, So I get it, but it comes off a little weird in a sentence on TV, does it not? A little, yeah. No, as we some things just don't age well, and some things weren't good to begin with. Right. Just this again. I'm I'm gonna go back and put you just putting Don in that position didn't do him any favors. It just didn't. Next up, Samoa Joe beats Kevin Nash in eight minutes and one second. Meltzer would say, I'll give Nash this. He put Joe over as big as you possibly could here. No last minute injury, no wink losing while getting yourself over and not your opponent. Nash got some offense, but Joe took the majority of the match. Nash bled after a chair shot. The crowd had dueling chance here. One would have expected they would cheer Nash and not care about Joe giving the booking of late. Joe kicked Nash off the top for a near fall. Joe got the choke on, but Nash made it to the ropes. Nash used a low blow and side slam for a near fall. And Joe used a senton for a near fall and then put the choke on again. And this time Nash tapped out after the match, Joe continued to elbow Nash to death on the ground. Security came in to stop him, but Joe laid him out as well. Nash bled tapped was beat up after and laid out in the end. You can't do more than that. Scott Steiner made his only appearance on this show and helping Nash to the back. As far as the match itself, it wasn't too good. Star in a quarter. Wade actually liked it better. Two and a half stars. So listen, there's been lots of criticism from quote unquote smart fans over the years about Nash not wanting to put guys over. He couldn't have done this any stronger here for Joe, could he? 
Al, a motivated Kevin Nash. It speaks for itself. The main event mafia was rolling ratings wise. Kevin was watching weekly. The results knew that we were headed in the right direction. Knew that he just felt Joe needs this. And, you know, Kevin, you know, people want to talk about, yeah, just, oh my God, it gives you a headache thinking about, but look, Kevin, um, not show business. It's not show friends it's show business. He always looked at it as a business. Uh, and sometimes he rubbed people the wrong way. Never me. I mean, because even on opposite sides of a negotiating table, Kevin came to protect care of Kevin. And that's kind of what you want out of a talent. Next up, we got beer money beating the British invasion in the finals of the 3d tournament. Of course, team 3d is at ringside putting over how important tag team wrestling is in TNA and they're doing their part to preserve the legacy of tag teams. And they talked about putting up a hundred grand of their own money, saying it was an investment in the tag team, uh, future. And Bubba noted with the economy being what it was, that's a lot of money. And Don West said, well, once you take off taxes, it's really only $50,000, which is pretty heel move. I love that. Uh, the observer gave it three and a half stars. Torch gave it two and a half, but beer money beat the British invasion. Kind of a, uh, a nice little tip of the cap to beer money. I mean, we know they've, they've been a great team, but things are fixing to level up for these guys. Are they not all? And those are all four quote unquote homegrown guys. Yep. Um, beer money. One of those things that you put guys together and the magic works and off to the races and just, uh, that's what I'm saying is you kind of run through this pay-per-view, the Maraska stuff wasn't so good. And, you know, you can talk about work rate and the stipulation on the main event, but the effort, uh, and, and the creative, it was, how do I say this? It was, I mean, look, you can poke holes in anything, but it's damn good. Let me say too, it can't be overstated how over beer money is here. Or how good British invasion were at being heels. I mean, this is really, really good stuff here. Yeah. And next up it's uh, AJ and Booker T in an, I quit match. And Meltzer would say Booker had his working shoes on here as this is as good of a singles performance as he's ever done. So he really liked it. He gave it three and a half stars. The torch gave it two and a half stars. Uh, eventually, uh, of course, you know, there's a, uh, there's Charmel involved here. And Jenna's going to run down and throw the towel in for Booker. Booker and Charmel are furious at her doing so. A lot of people are mad about this being a gimmicked finish because it's supposed to be an I quit match, not necessarily something where someone else can forfeit for you. But what do you think of that booking? Hey, he didn't quit. Somebody screwed him and threw the towel in for him. Uh, you, you know, hindsight, it does it probably, it doesn't read well. I'll say this Booker main event mafia motivated and who just said that waiter Dave, that it's as good a single match. I mean, you could just imagine Dave. Dave. Okay. The athleticism of AJ and Booker go out of your way. As Conrad says to watch that one phenomenal match, pardon the pun, but just, yeah. Is the finish lame as far as that kind of out also going back to, yes, it's a pay-per-view, but episodically, you just don't want to have Booker screaming, I quit at this stage of the storytelling. 
Next up, we see uh, Sting win a four-way in 14 minutes and 56 seconds to become the leader of the main event mafia since he pinned Kurt Angle. Also in the match was Mick Foley putting up the TNA title, Jeff Jarrett putting up his voting shares in the company, and Sting saying he would retire if he lost. Meltz would say the match was mostly good, although there were some rough spots and the heat was in and out. It didn't get the same kind of reaction the prior two matches got. The match wasn't bad, but... This is one problem I had regarding logic earlier in the show. Sting came into the arena and had a whole bunch of the younger wrestlers were in line, shaking his hand. And we were told it showed how much respect these guys have for sting. Wait a minute. Wasn't the entire reason sting joined the heel group was because the baby faces showed him no respect. And now sting is the top baby face. I mean, I guess there are storyline possibilities of the top face leading the group of heels, but wouldn't it work better if the heels weren't over as the faces. And was it the whole idea of Jarrett angle and sting being in this match that they all wanted to win the title? I could see beating Jarrett in the sense you want voting shares in the company, but nobody except Foley did any promos in that direction. Why would Jarrett, for example, want to pin sting and make him retire or angle for that matter? Why didn't they all target Foley since the prize was what they were fighting over. Ultimately Foley laid sting out with a pile driver on the ramp. And, uh, there you go. They're off to the races, but. Still the holes in the logic of, yeah, if you're, if you have voting shares in the company, you want sting a part of your company. Why would you pin him and blah, blah, blah. That makes a lot of sense. Does anybody raise their hand and say, Hey boss, I'm not sure that makes sense. Or is it just like, fuck, we got to have something and we don't have anything. Here we go. We'll just throw this at it. If I remember correctly. The name of the pay-per-view sacrifice. Yes. So what would, what would, what would someone sacrifice to get in this? And I was watching some of the research Preakness, uh, was on Saturday and, and you think to yourself, yeah, well, in the Kentucky Derby, why do they run the race? Because an 80 to one long shot may win. But in reality, when they get through the gates, there's really one, two, maybe three horses that got a chance to win. And I'm not, this is probably a stupid analogy, but you know, the, uh, it, it rang to me as I'm reading this. Now let me play armchair quarterback and hindsight's 2020. What in the hell were we thinking? God read yeah. just as you said, I mean, like, does that really, but okay. So if you take it at base value and not double down and it's not your living 24 seven. So Jarrett putting his shares up. Okay. What's the most valuable thing to Kurt right now? Oh, the leader of the main event mafia. Okay. Stings the ch- or mix, the champion, you know, all the four individuals. So you peel the onion back. There's holes in it. I get it. I totally get it. But where we were going episodically was Kurt and sting butting heads within the main event mafia. That's kind of what served our need and our master and sting is that guy that we're going to pull out of the main event mafia as the leader and the veteran and the WCW icon and yada, 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 down that that's where we were going. But I, I, I get the, uh, criticism completely, but on the other side, what was each individual going to sacrifice to get in the match? Okie doke. So as Dutch would say, well, he didn't buy that car. (laughs) Wade lamb wants to know, do you feel the main event mafia was a successful project? It had so much momentum at the end of Oh nine, but I feel like it just turned out just okay. 
they pulled the plug on it. Hell yeah, it was successful. Like I said, at the top of 2009, from January till September-ish, and then all of a sudden, the power play happened, and anything that Jeff touched is fired immediately and out the door and dismantled, and we're going to wrestling, and we're getting rid of the main event mafia, and this guy's going, and that guy's going, and we're changing the announce team, and we're changing this, and we're changing that. Come 2010, let's throw the six-sided ring out. Uh, we're going to just rebrand the whole company, blah, 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 blah. But the question, yes, the main event mafia may be the biggest creative success as far as ratings go in the history of the company. A couple more questions here, and then we'll wrap this one up. Uh, Bryant wants to know the legends championship. What was the purpose of this championship? When was there really ever a reason for it? Sure. You know, what, what's the, uh, the golf tour, the seniors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so the legends is, is something that hall of famers vets, uh, that we had a lot of and got criticized. Okay. Let's, let's give a title that kind of gives an ode to the veterans of the roster. And we'll go down that route. It also hit fit that main event mafia style. And they're all former world champions and all that again, not to disrespect any title, but it was a, prop. Oh boy. Not going to get in trouble, for, but you know, it, but basically it served as the hall of fame championship, the veteran championship in the golfing world, the, the, the seniors, uh, all, you know, I don't think you're going to get in any trouble. I mean, everybody knows that the TNA belts were props. True. Yeah. And, and your 10 pounds of gold. Oh, I get heat there. No, no, that was a prop. I mean, y- y'all, y'all ruined it. I mean, you know, you held it. <laughs> The idea that, you know, I know a lot of people were like, you know, there's a lot of hardcore NWA faithful fans these days who just love Nick Aldis and Lord, we do too, friend of the show. But when Cardona won it, I think we, we saw a little bit of backlash online from some old school fans who were like, oh my God, Zach Ryder's the NWA world champion. This is embarrassing. And I'm thinking more embarrassing than when Jeff Jarrett was the NWA world hey, champion. Like I love, I love, I love Mr. Cardona. Let's just say in a loud and clear voice right now, you were never Watch a horseman. You were, oh, yes. you were never a horseman and you never really deserved to be NWA world champion. I mean, when you make a list of guys like Harley race and Terry Funk and dusty Rhodes and Rick flair. And you think you belong on that list? Come on, dude. No way. <sighs> go be assistant manager. Go hit some, put some ladies in figure fours, but the NWA mm. world champion. Come on, dude. Mm. That hurts Conrad. Next well, thing you're going to do is you're going to tell me that. <sighs> I shouldn't have come out to simply irresistible. No, I love that. Shouldn't have uh, been in life with Mikey. I shouldn't have hit. I don't uh, know what that is. <laughs> uh, Conrad. Listen, we're giving Jeff a lot of shit here today, but we are going to talk about a big innovation next week. We're talking about King of the Mountain, Jeff. Next week, we'll discuss the very first ever King of the Mountain. This is one of the more famous gimmick matches in TNA history. We'll talk about the pay per view show it was on. We'll talk about that show and what was going on in the business at the time. And then we'll watch the match. In its entirety, which is like nearly 30 minutes, you're going to take on Ron Killings, AJ Styles, Chris Harris, and Raven. We'll talk about watch along. Yeah. Next week. Right here, baby. 
Right on. Okay. We're, we're going to discuss who came up with the concept. Uh, was it easy to put the match together? All of that, this whole concept that's going to happen next week, right here on my world. But of course this Friday, you need to hurry over to Ric Flair's last match.com. Pick up your tickets Friday at noon, uh, and then cruise over to starcast.com and order some of those meet and greets. They're going on sale this Friday, Jeff, our first round right now, as you're listening, you can go buy a bracelet which gives you access to uh, all 10 stage shows plus, uh, the roast of Ric Flair. Uh, and there's a whole host of other stuff happening, including a who's who of professional wrestling legends coming to town. You better get your pictures and autograph with them on Saturday, July 30th and Sunday, July 31st. And then of course, on July 31st, unbelievably six Oh five PM Ric Flair has his last match on a Jim Crockett promotions card. We're bringing back Jim Crockett promotions for one night only. This should be a lot of fun, dude. Conrad question. This would be under a FAQ. Is there a possibility that bracelets, not, not, not Ric Flair's last match, but bracelets, platinum, all, you know, all that that will sell out. Do you have a limited, and I know it's a big limit or maybe it's not, but I mean, it can bracelets sell out. I guess they can, right? Cause the reason that people were, it's, I don't want the folks in Nashville to say, I'll, cause that's kind of the wrestling market in Nashville. I'll wait till I get there to buy it. Oh no. Yeah. This, the wrestling match is going to sell out, but yes, I, I suspect that platinum, bra- platinum bracelets could be sold out by the time you hear this. I mean, we don't wow. have an instant, an infinite supply. These buildings are only so large. And to be clear, this is not the Nashville fairgrounds that you used to run. This is not the old asylum. They've long since torn that down building a beautiful soccer stadium. These are brand new facilities. Expo one is 46,000 square feet. Expo three is 34,000 square feet. Expo two is 25,000 square feet. Those are big buildings, but we're only going to be able to hold so many folks. So if you want to make plans to get to Nashville, you want to make plans to see these panels. You need to go pick up a bracelet before it's too late at starcast.com. That's S T A R R C A S T.com real quick. Just a double R. Oh, there you go. I love that. Yeah. Starcast, see? Go I ahead. want to mention too, uh, you get access to all the meet and greets. You can do just a Saturday pass if you want to and just do the meet and greets. You can do a Sunday pass and just do the meet and greets. Those are 39 bucks each. If you want a weekend pass and do both days, it's only $59. But for an extra 120 bucks, uh, you get to see the roast of Ric Flair and 10 other stage shows. So you're paying like 10 bucks a live show. And these aren't like your no disrespect, but your local hometown folks, we're flying in stars from all over the world here. Like Bret Hart, like Mick Foley, like Kevin Nash, like Ric Flair, like all the horsemen, the horseman union in and of itself. And you know, the roast of Ric Flair is going to be a star studded affair. I'm saying all that to say 179 is a hell of a bargain to see all of these stars, to see all of these panels, to see the roast of Ric Flair. And again, stick around because on Sunday, Ric Flair's having his last match and that will sell out. Be by a computer Friday at noon, Rick flares, last match.com. I can't believe we got to talk about all this. I'm glad we got the plugs in. I'm excited yeah, to talk about WrestleQuest. I know that there's some movement on all that next week. Yes, sir. You know, I just sitting here thinking about Starcast. It is the names and the ones that you're going to be announcing this week. But when all on the stage shows, I got a question for you. When all the horsemen get on stage, and, and I listen, I'm being serious, Barry and all those guys are standing up there. Do you think 
Rick or myself will be announced last to bring up on stage. Uh, Jeff, I mean, I know we have a lot of fun here on the show, <laughs> but this is a horseman reunion of like actual horsemen. Who will be announced last? Will I be brought up last or Rick? That's a, that's just a fair question. I'll be honest. Some of the folks have given me some criticism online. Cause they say this isn't a, a horseman reunion without you, Jeff. You didn't invite Jeff. And I know they're saying that in jest and I always politely respond. But not. I always politely respond, Jeff. This is just the Jim Crockett era horseman. But in reality, the real answer is Jeff. These are the actual horsemen. These are the real horsemen, not the kind of horsemen, not the sort of horsemen, the horsemen. And they're doing a reunion. It's happening Saturday, July 30th between the roast and Ric Flair's last match. Don't miss it. Pick it up. I love busting your balls, Connie. I love busting yours. Bracelets are available now. Starcast.com. Ric Flair's last match.com this Friday. It will sell out. And next week. We're watching the debut of the King of the Mountain match. This should be a lot of fun, Jeff. I can't wait. Let's rock and roll. Summertime is here. See you guys next week right here on My World. Peace. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.